another edition of Into the Foxhole. I am your host, as always, Will Fox, joined by my brother, John. John, how are we? Doing dandy, Will. Dandy? dandy. I think dandy's been used. I, I thought so. <laughs> I, I'm lost for words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, this is we are we are we are punching out content at a breakneck speed, and punching out content would definitely be a little liberal of a statement because I'm way behind on editing podcasts. So what is that? We got this will be six in the tank, six in the barrel, six in the barrel. If this was a game of high. if this was a game of Russian roulette where every episode we have recorded was a bullet, a lot of people would die. <laughs> <laughs> no survivors. Exactly. I've we've often likened our podcast to Russian roulette. Yeah. And joining us on this game of wits and game of death here is Tom Dreyer. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Will. Thank you for having me. Anytime, anytime, Tom. One of my uh, high school friends. Who, Tom? Uh, you wanna you wanna clue us in as to where you are spending the quarantine? Oh, I am on. Tucked into the cozy northwest corner of Chicago. Um, I'm back at home with the folks, uh, you know, surviving like the rest of us. Oh, I do. I do. In, in the infamous territory, some would call it a uh, manor of Wildwood. You know, some some don't even believe in it. Some some don't even think it's there. There's no distinction? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, you know, it's tucked away. We find uh, <laughs> a crime in our neighborhood, you know, but... Now that there's yep. uh, our our, mo- our mom has this like originally had this theory that Wildwood wasn't an actual place and it was just like referenced as like oh Wildwood is just a part of a different place you know oh no we exist <laughs> yeah exactly I had, to, I had to tell her that one yeah had to, had to, had to school her up I know. yeah I think I think the next step for Wildwood should be to become a gated community yeah. within the city of Chicago mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, as much to keep us in as to keep people out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it's fitting that we talk about territories because, uh, Tom, what are we going to be discussing on the podcast today? Um, as I think we're discussing season six of Game of Thrones. You would be correct. Season <laughs> six of the critically acclaimed fantasy drama action love story saga. Epic. Did I say epic? I probably said epic twice, but it is doubly epic. Game of Thrones. I thought he was the man to lead us through the long night, but I was wrong. Do you like games, little man? We would spill blood in this holy place. The gods won't mind. They spill more blood than the rest of us combined. Who are you? No one. a second chance there will not be a third it's all I think about what was taken from me I know what happens there's no hiding from this we have to fight stand at the head of our army where you belong Show them what Lannisters are. What we do to our enemies. The real war is between the living and the dead. And make no mistake, the dead are coming.
dragons do not do well in captivity. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. John, are you excited about this? Uh, obviously. I mean, this is a... Uh... I mean, it's a cultural phenomenon. I mean, during this time, the, the the series came out. If you weren't watching it, who were you? Come on, I mean, come on. And I feel like it got like it definitely it definitely avoided on some of that. You know how that kind of also is the way we feel about like the Avengers movies now. But everyone's kind of we're kind of getting into like this yeah. kind of negative. Like the Avengers are kind of getting the slack, like the flack. Like thanks, Marty Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Serious, yeah, he really doesn't like him. Yeah, I know he, he's and not a fan. being a real dick about it. I think it's good. We're talking about Game of Thrones season six. I think people that watch the show season eight sort of left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. So it's good to you know go over the glory days, as they say. Season six got to be up there in the peak of Game of Thrones, you know, hype. Well, especially because I feel like they followed through on a lot of good storylines, even though there wasn't like, obviously it wasn't the final season, but there was a lot of follow through on storylines, even though it didn't finish off the series that really felt fulfilling while still moving plot forward. Whereas like, I mean, I guess, you know, in the first couple seasons, there are a lot of obviously storylines being built and interwoven and season six, you get the kind of gratification of some of these payoffs that you don't, you never really got in season eight, or at least the showrunners thought that we got, but we actually didn't get. Uh, Tom, what do you uh, what do you remember about uh, watching this season for the first time? And I guess you could talk a little bit about like kind of your relationship with Game of Thrones. You remember when you first got into it? What drew what drew you to it? Just uh, give me give me the whole shebang. Yeah, so I started watching it. I think like summer after freshman year of college, which for me was twenty sixteen. So that was while season six was like on the air. And I remember like we had like people's schedules in college, like on Sunday nights, the spring like revolved around if like you're going out on a Sunday night, it was like Thrones, then bars. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, I'm surprised it took me that long to get into it. Cause I mean, I don't know, this is just right up my alley and it's become like such a, like I've become such a big fan. Ended up reading all the books after the show ended because I was like, eh, was not satisfied with the ending. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, like talking about how you've like, um, how the like the plot lines sort of were. There was like that gratification in season six. I think that was kind of the point where the writers kind of fell off. Where George R. R. Martin had given like source material and that was kind of when it started to be, you know, just the showrunners having source material. Um, so like, I think that was kind of part of it. Like they're like, all right, I guess we have to wrap up what George R. R. Martin gave us <laughs> yeah. and go from here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, yeah, so it's up through season five, I believe that uh, Martin had all the books done. So season so the season five was the final was the, the final book is about the end of season five and then obviously like you said he sort of let them know what direction to go in for season six I assume so sort of he still had a good hand in it but I think you're right I think you can really see the step off from the writers taking control really compared to George R. R. Martin's book known as a song 
of Ice and Fire series. Yeah, and I think I kind of imagine like at the end of like season six when they kind of have less of R. R. Martin's direction and they're kind of going. I imagine like Weiss and Benioff like hanging like you know bully eighties bully style hanging George R. R. Martin by his ankles trying to shake pages out of him. Just like, Come on, old man, what else you got? <laughs> Money exactly. Give right. me your lunch money and tell me what happens to Sir to Danny. <laughs> so, like, I, I that, that's a definitely a good point, uh, Tom. Which, if we get to that point in the podcast, we'll talk about kind of the decline of Game of Thrones and I guess the fan backlash and Weiss and uh, Benny Hoff's kind of I would call it this this kind of vision that they all had that they had, but also trying to predict what the fans wanted, which really was like, I think one of the reasons why R.R. Martin's kind of saga, obviously probably because he's a better writer, but also because he didn't have the fan pressure that Weiss and Benioff had. I mean, they took a lot of time to come up with those last two seasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> real quick. Uh, what's the uh, swearing policy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, just for just going forward, uh, we have no sponsors, uh, so no vested interest. We have, and any sponsor that oh, has tried to curry our favor, we have turned down. Out of John, what's the number one thing we want this podcast to be? What, uh, ethical, ethical. So the swearing pod, the swearing policy is uh, very liberal. Uh, John and I might keep it down just just so, solely from the reason that we are also in our parents' house, so we don't want to be just screaming motherfuck uh, across the room. But Tom, feel free to let it fly. Yeah, I'm not trying right, to get good in trouble. Stuff, good stuff. I just didn't want to get my myself edited out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're known for our famous bleeps, you know. I mean, stuff like that. Oh, and also horrendously hackneying whatever our guests say we will we will spin whatever you say tom into whatever our direction is so uh i guess we should have made that as a disclaimer yeah we're not we'll not be able to run for office after this we're we're not recording what we're saying we're just recording what you're saying and then like mixing it up and pretty much just doing whatever we want yeah don't be surprised if when this episode comes out tom your kind of voice being modulated say i think isis had good ideas (laughs) Well, that's dangerous. <laughs> what you just said. Oh, man. Wait, it's a spin zone. It's a spin zone. What I just said is going to get spun. Yeah. It's like this, call this a laundromat. We're just going spin cycles left and right. Yeah, I'm against that take, audience. I just want to let that be known. Well, okay, I'll spin your ass. Oh, wow. <laughs> no. Um, but there was no way to spin season eight. Uh, Tom, I, I think before we got into the swearing fiasco, I think we were talking about how... Um, what were we talking about? The drop-off in season seven and eight? Just yeah. talking about how, like, the I, I was kind of trying to make this point where I feel like they, Weiss and Benioff, they had a lot of time, and I feel like they kind of caved into some fan pressure and some of, like, the storylines. Well, yeah. I mean, like, God, it, it, they really got put into a tough position. Like, it, like I, I don't know. It's like, people talk about how it should have ended, and it's like, you can't really... There was just so much going on. I think in the end, they just needed more showtime. Like, they just needed more seasons and more episodes to really, like, be able to finish everything off the way it should have been. Yeah, I... I you go. Well, like, I know, like, a huge problem with the fans of the final season was the whole timing. Because a lot of people complain, like, cause they're traveling, like, these great distances in short amount of time <laughs> for our... Fans that keep up with that type of stuff, I mean... Yeah, like, wait, oh, I'm sorry, but, like, Jamie going all the way from Westeros yeah. to the Wall, come on. Yeah, no, they definitely... A lot of people have the problem. They, they do seem like they're rushing it, and I think it's a good point. I mean, when you... I mean, 
you look at, I mean, tens of millions of people were watching probably the, the finale and like you to please every single person in there. That's, that's not an easy job to do, especially when you have the hype of seasons like season five, like season six, which I regard as, I mean, you have two episodes in season six, which are like regarded as two as the best episodes in television history. I mean, by, by sources, you know, sources, by certain sources, sources, you know? but I mean, so it's they they definitely they had a lot of pressure and it it, it stinks that you know that it left a sour taste in a lot of Game of Thrones fans' uh, mouths after the finale. Yeah, definitely. Do you guys are you guys drinking wine right now? <laughs> should we be? Should we? We probably. Should. I've got my Pinot. I, I have to get in the zone for this. Ooh, I like a crisp Pinot. Oh, Pinot no, oh, uh, a, a yeah. round Pinot Noir or a crisp Pinot Gris. I, I mean, you had to go Pinot Noir. I feel like there's no white wine in Game of Thrones. I feel like it was always red. No, you're definitely right. It's like this like dark ale kind. Did you did you ever have the Game of Thrones like mead that they were selling for a while? Did I? I think I had the wine. I never had the. They had like a stout that was like supposed to be like the North themed. Yeah, and I think I had like the Cersei themed wine. Yeah. I think I had, I think I also had the wine. I can't remember which one it was, but I think it was the wine, and I I, I would give it a meh. Well, the, the North themed wine isn't supposed to be. Well, not the North themed. This was the Cersei themed uh, one, ooh. I think. Well, because like the North wine is, is I mean, Dinklage trashes it, or he whatever, does in like season one. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna call him Tyrion for the podcast. Tyrion, okay. That's, that's uh, or or another acceptable answer I, will I, be I, another acceptable answer will be Miles Finch. I I I, I just. I, <laughs> <laughs> You're an angry elf. <laughs> exactly. The car will be at 73 degrees. <laughs> I mean, Zora High directly translates to Miles Finch. <laughs> I, I just, I just want to start us off on this podcast and be like, names. I feel like are going to be a struggle throughout this entire episode, just because I mean, looking back on season six, the amount of characters that they have, ridiculous. I mean, because this is like the final. This is the final season where like you have pretty much. Stories. All the stories are like sort of like not all coherent. All, they're not all under like one roof, you know. Like how season seven and eight are sort of like it's one story. You see much. everyone constantly in the same arc. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's on the same story arc. And this is like the final season where you have like six or seven different story arcs going on during each episode, stuff like that. You know. <laughs> Notably, another positive about season six: no Aaron Rodgers. True. That is true. Aaron Rodgers is an extra in in the in the dragon where they burned down uh, Westeros. So. We could have predicted why they suck. You know, exactly. you could have predicted why season eight sucked. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. I mean, they had Sheeran too on it too. I mean, come on, Sheeran was seven. Sheeran was seven. I believe Sheeran was the first episode of season seven. Yeah, you're seven. right. You, I believe you are right. Okay, Sheeran, season seven. I think, I mean, talking about the drop-off, I think also part of the drop-off had definitely had to do with how many episodes are in season seven and eight, like, combined? I think it was like, six each. Seven in season seven and six in season eight. Okay. I yeah. mean, just the lack of episodes, like, especially going after season <laughs> six where you have, I think, nine or ten episodes <laughs> of just straight fire. Well, know? I think they were trying to do kind of like a Mad Men thing where the last season of Mad Men was split into two seasons. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't really work out for a little, them. Well, Deathly Hollows action. Well, Deathly Hollows action, exactly. Which, like I said, for the for the two aforementioned, definitely worked in their favor. Did not work in Game of Thrones' no, favor. Sir. Uh, yeah. So uh, I guess 
talking about kind of all of the different characters, John, what's one story arc in season six that you particularly enjoyed? I guess I think one thing that I, and we'll talk about this and that like I was kind of mentioning this to you off air when we were talking was uh, also, I love the fact that we talk about talking off air. <laughs> I, I love, love that too. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it feel so much more official. Yeah. Um, uh, but was how this season was when you truly like, there are different kind of who is the main protagonist, who's the main antagonist. These things kind of shift in a long season, so, in a long series of so many different characters. But this was the season where Ramsey Bolton came into his own as the biggest asshole. And it was really kind of, depending on how you look at it, it was really either fun or infuriating to like watch. But it was just, just the sheer kind of like, and it was all, I mean, if you could distill it into one moment, it's the killing of Rick. And, oh. In, in, in the Battle of Bastards. Like, that's the ultimate. Oh, possibly the most frustrating, like, death scene in all history. Because yeah. it's just like, dude, he shot the arrow. Just, like, zigzag. Like, Serpentine. Like, like, like dude. <laughs> like, that, I do remember. I mean, yeah, obviously the storyline with Ramsey Bolton, as played by Ewan Rion, I think is how, I don't know how you pronounce his name. He's Welsh, you know. They got... Like I think everything is pronounced you and dick bag. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's a singer too. He's got he's got music videos out there. What? For your reference, yeah. Oh. You can YouTube him. You would read him. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's definitely gonna be on the research department. <laughs> We're finding That's out pretty wild. We're finding out all these other things. An unreleased tidbit that we found out was the um uh, Tom about how in uh, Seven Days in Hell, which was uh, on the last podcast, the seventh podcast, how uh, Andy Samberg's character's fake dad is Ernest Humperdinck? Yeah, it's er, what is Engelbert, it? Engelbert, Engelbert Humperdinck. Humperdinck. Yes. Who is an actual singer. <laughs> I think I knew he was a person. I, I think I heard that, that he was a person. I didn't yeah. know he was a singer, though. That's hilarious. They just used an actual person whose name was Engelbert Humperdinck. Yeah, and <laughs> like the most English name of all time. time exactly. <laughs> it's too English. Yeah. But I mean, back to the... I mean, you have to just look at Ramsey Bolton's plotline and story arc as probably one of the best parts of the entire season. Of season I mean, six. I mean, everybody hates him. You, how, I mean, he, you wondered after, like, the earlier seasons, like, how is anybody going to top uh, Joffrey for being, like, the baddest heel or baddest bad man, you know, you know, the worst guy, the most hateable. Yeah. And Ramsey comes in and just like in the first, the first episode is Ramsey just six. hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> the first episode of season six, you know, you guys, you guys know how he has that like girlfriend kind of girl that, yeah. uh, that, uh, Sansa and Reek crap. I always, Theon, Theon Greyjoy, they kill her when okay. they're escaping. Oh yeah. And like, so like Ramsey's like beginning of season six like Ramsey goes in he's just like he's like oh I'm so sad like she like saw me and stuff like that and the guy asked her like do you want us to make a funeral pyre or bury her and he's like nah that's good meat throw her to the dogs Ooh. like damn <laughs> like that's evil like, like that's so evil the other thing about him too I think comparing to Joffrey was like Joffrey as a villain was he was so part of the reason I hated him so much was because like I don't think he realized how much of a little shit he was. Yeah. And like Ramsey kind of knows what he's doing and he's kind of got more strategy to like the stuff he's, the stuff he does, which like Joffrey was kind of random acts of violence and stuff like that. So I think that makes Ramsey like definitely more frustrated, like 
definitely more hated, but I mm-hmm. think he was kind of a cooler character in that sense. Yeah, I mean, you definitely, like, there were moments when Joffrey was being evil and then, like, like Tyrion slapped him and stuff like that, and, like, somebody would just, like, put him in his place. There's no yeah. real point until, like, his, like, eventual demise that Ramsey's ever put in his place, you know? Right, yeah. He, he kind of has his, he, he, everything he does, he's, it's sort of calculated, which I think is yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, how his, his, I guess you can, I don't know if you can really, like, telegraph and see this at the beginning of the season, but just how the entirety, at least in the Stark, the Stark um, kind of plotline, how that's just revolving and slowly going towards uh, Winterfell. And I think that's such a fun thing to kind of see with a little bit of hindsight, knowing that these two kind of heads are going to collide eventually. Uh, and kind of the idea of Jon Snow kind of always, act, you know, his whole thing is we must have Winterfell. We must have Winterfell. <laughs> uh, and just watching that with a little bit of hindsight and seeing, like, these two forces come together. Um, another thing that I kind of forgot, which is kind of crazy that I forgot about this because yeah, you know, or how big of a deal was this is that this, I forgot that this is, this is the season when Jon Snow comes back to life. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that you like to truly understand the hype of season six, you have to watch the last episode of season, season five, five, which is a phenomenal episode. It's, I mean, you see what it sets up for season six is just all straight heat. You have you have Jon Snow dying. You have with the little guy, <laughs> the little guy gives oh, him the Ollie, knife. Ollie, Ollie, with the last, the last blade in the stomach. I mean, you have. I mean, with Jon Snow dying, you have all the wildlings coming. You know, over the wall or through the wall. Torment, baby. I'm trying to think. You have you have Arya Stark being blinded yeah. by the. Uh, by the faceless man, man. Faceless man, yeah. Because, you know, because she goes against his orders, kills, like I said, um, one of the bad guys, you know? <laughs> one of the, season five, doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> season five, exactly. And then, yeah, I mean, and then you have the murder, the unnecessary murder of Cersei's daughter, you know, just, which starts, I mean, I'll, I'll just go into this little plot point that I have, but Alaria Sand is possibly like my least favorite character throughout the entire series. And for those of you who don't remember, don't know, Alaria Sand is like she's the she's the like girl, she's Oberyn Martell's her wife, so like the Dornish people, and she just sucks. Yeah, they they give compared to the. Oh, have you guys read the books? No, no. Okay, so I'll, I can be uh, like the book liaison. I'll go back to it too much, but like Let's go. they really do the Dornish plot lines like really dirty in the show. Like mm. all of the the Dornish characters are a lot more fleshed out in the books, and there's just more of them. And they really kind of were just like I don't know why, but they're kind of just like meh. We don't need to really develop them in the show, which kind of sucks. So like, yeah, Alaria is kind of a lame character in the in the shows well yeah i mean it's just because i mean like because like i'm that's a that's that's good to know because like it seems that her like war against the uh pretty much against the lannisters it's pretty like stupid it's it's like so crappy it's like you're like because she's pissed that her husband was killed by the lannisters whatever but he wasn't really like he was just an idiot like so i i don't know but that's good to know because I think that they really kind of screwed up. That's like the one storyline I kind of have an issue with throughout the uh, season six. And I've definitely seen that as being a criticism, uh, at least of the, I've heard of other people saying that the Dornish storylines are awful. Uh, I didn't know it was in relation to how good they actually were set up in the books. Uh, so 
that's some good information. Uh, the only thing that I will say that's a redeeming quality of the Dornish storyline is how I think that beginning of season seven with Cersei, uh, you know, finally killing and like torturing the Dorn women. Yeah. Uh, I think that is such it just shows the full transformation from Cersei's lowest point at the end of season five, all the way to there where she's just like, Oh, you know, if you were rooting for the bad guys, you'd be yelling. Yes. Queen. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. For yeah. sure. I think that's like, honestly, like that's one like time where like I found myself like kind of rooting for Cersei. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just like, she deserves this revenge. Like, cause it's like, the, she just kills like her daughter for like no reason. She, she kills her daughter for no reason. And like, how badass she is at the beginning of season seven, uh, another hate to rag on season eight again, but I will. <laughs> it just feels like her kind of quote unquote descent into madness in season eight happens too quickly. Whereas she goes from literally being such a brilliant mastermind heel awful to like seeming like she has lapses in judgment to seeming like she, it seems like she descends into madness very quickly, which I didn't really kind of buy as much. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the name of the game in season eight. Everything was, was very rushed. Yeah, I mean, there's no way around it. I mean, because Cersei does almost seem like she's got like the upper hand in season seven. Totally against against, against Danny, and like she seems like oh, she's sort of thought this all through. She seems like she's almost like tricking them, like which they make it seem in the best way because they don't like they don't trick us into thinking that she's more powerful than Danny, mm-hmm. but that because of the cards they're dealt, where. It, she yeah. has to help John defend the North and stuff like that, that Cersei is going to capitalize that in like the best possible way. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, that is a, a good setup on season seven, but John throwing out a line, going to reel us back in back to the Jon Snow storyline. Uh, I kind of forgot this, but it was pretty, I feel like at least for me when I was kind of, and granted I was also, I would say Tom, for me, I think the end of season five, beginning of season six is where I started to pay more attention and definitely start to watch episodes at least more regularly. Uh, I feel like in between season five and season six, it was pretty well known that Jon Snow was just going to come back, right? Yeah. Between season five and six? Yes. I actually don't think that was super well known because Mm -hmm. that's where they leave off in the books. It was like a really big theory with, I mean, flipping forward a little bit to the end of season six, when you find out who Jon Snow's parents are, Mm -hmm. that was already like heavily theorized. So a lot of people were like, he's, he has to come back. But like, it was, it was like a big question mark going into season six, whether or not that was going to happen. Which is why him coming back to life, I think, as it aired, was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it was just such an unknown. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with Tom. I think it was definitely, like, the biggest, like, because I, I definitely remember watching, like, late night TV, like, with Conan stuff and, like, Kit Harrington going on. And then he's on the circuit. And it's just like, come on, like, I mean, like you're coming back, right? And they're like, I don't know, like, stuff like that. But everybody... everybody even, even they don't tell us what happens. <laughs> yeah. It's, but, like, everybody, I think, sort of assumed, cause just because you felt like he had more to do. What was kind of cool is that season... Uh, the first episode of season six, he doesn't come back. He's still dead in season in episode one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't, I don't, they I don't, don't think they him. resurrect until the end of episode two. So it sort of does keep you a little bit like, oh, is he actually just, like, dead like they would have done it the first episode they yeah, were gonna right. do it yeah. like when you do it like right away like right away but i mean i it's it definitely was like probably the most capt in between season five season six outside of the finale like probably the most captivating like time yeah. for audiences and stuff like that 
Jon Snow, far and away, was my absolute favorite plot line in, like, development of season six. Mm-hmm. Um, just all the way through, kind of a letdown when a lot of it doesn't really pay off at the end of the, series, of the whole show. Yeah. But in the moment, like, looking back, that's just so... Some of those episodes and, like, the stuff he does is just so fun to watch, like, even today. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, like, I think that part of why it's frustrating, Tom, is because, like, if you pull the resurrection angle, you feel like the guy who's getting resurrected (laughs) is going to be, like, on a crash course, which is also, like, (laughs) it feels like you're pushing that guy to the moon. But, like, for me, the other thing was kind of, like, I found it a little bit weird. And a, a part of season six and kind of the later seasons that I didn't quite understand is that, like, you know, he got resurrected. Didn't he get resurrected because the Lord of the Light had a plan for him, essentially? Well, yeah, cause yes. the first time we see the resur- somebody being resurrected is in one of the earlier seasons. I think it's either five or four where... Is it the Hound? No, not the The Hound defeats, like, one of the soldiers or whatever of, like, the Brothers of the Light. Yeah. Oh, is he, is he the guy with the yeah, eye, with patch. eye patch? Yeah, like, okay. The guy's apparently died, like, a handful of times, but every time gets resurrected because he has something to do for the Lord of the Light. Exactly. So I feel like like John possibly knowing that or not possibly. Anyway, even if he doesn't know that prospect, he's gotten resurrected. So he's got to feel a little bit of a new lease on life. I feel like internally he would have less kind of reservation about being like he kind of was just talking about like, I don't want to rule the seven kingdoms or whatever. He's like, just want to know. Like He was kind of a little bit reserved about being the leader, which I feel like if I don't know if I'd gotten resurrected, I'd be like, hey, maybe I'm uh, maybe I am cut out for this stuff. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a qualifier for sure. Yeah, but that's like that's a time that, that's a very very tiny kind of caveat that I was I, I was more just kind of thinking of in the past couple of days, like you know, getting ready for the podcast, thinking, oh, like I, I feel like I would be a little bit more convicted. But besides that, I mean, you, you're certainly right, Tom. That like watching Jon Snow is like the majority of this season. Watching him is just fun. Like it's just fun seeing him come into his own. Yeah, and like actually have things go right for him. <laughs> yeah, he's that is of- great. He's sort of been screwed over since birth. That's sort of his thing up until season, <laughs> up until season six. What? Something's not going wrong? Oh, sorry, guys. It's kind of my thing. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, Jon Snow, his... <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Come on. Come on. Get it out. Get it out. Uh, I was just going to talk about how with Jon Snow, I mean, he really... He comes back this, I mean, this season. He sort of got, like, a darkness to him. I mean... Because he's not like the Lord of Light. He comes back and he's like, oh, I'm just alive again. He's sort of like, what is life? Like, you know, <laughs> like, I'm supposed like, to be dead. That is a good point. One of, like, the, I love it like when like he's just like, oh, like his buddy comes up and he's like, oh, so you're Lord Commander again. He's like, I'd serve my time. And he just like walks off. He's like, oh, shit. Like, he's gone. <laughs> he's done. <laughs> yeah. No, and him like him. What's it called? Him like kicking ass and taking names at the wall when he goes back to the to the Night's Watch uh, was also very gratifying. Like you said, Tom, things going right for him, and it feels like he's on a roll, which is why I feel like uh, for the Battle of the Bastards, they did a good job of like in that episode making it seem like oh shit, something might not go right. Even though like in the back of your head, you got to be thinking, "This is Jon Snow. He just came back from the dead. How is everything like not going to go right?" <laughs> but the way they shoot the battle scene is very very. I think at least when I remember watching it for the first time and I remember thinking like, like even in the back of my head though, I know like obviously this is Jon Snow. Everyone's, everything's going to turn out okay for him because of like the story arc he's on. I was just like, Jesus Christ, what's going on? He's going to die. You know, when they have the, the sea of humanity shot of him in, in the battlefield. Yeah. That's, that's re- like really classic Thrones where you really, 
it doesn't matter who's involved. You don't know what way the plot's going to go. Like, I thought that was really great. I agree. You didn't really know what was going to happen at the end of the Battle of the Bastards. And another thing, I I actually can't really confirm that this is true or not, but I saw like a this from something on Twitter. But that that cut where John comes out and he's like stuck in the sea of people. Yeah. Apparently that was Kit Harrington's idea because he had like a fear of being like swallowed in a crowd or something. <laughs> so like it was his call to like put that sh- put that shot in the in the in the episode, which I thought was pretty cool. Talk about facing your fears, <laughs> Jesus, kid. <laughs> <laughs> just like, so uh, hear me out, guys. I hate being in the middle of crowds. So why don't you just throw me in this mass of death? Yeah, with that being said, step on me. <laughs> with that being said, pull my hair. You think there's like? You think oh, was sorry, like, that got a little sexual there. <laughs> you think it was like the same thing with Tyrion earlier when they like to, when he's just like, yeah, I'm super claustrophobic. They're like, throw him in the chest. Let's go. <laughs> like, Wait, is the beginning of season six? Did he get out of the chest? No, it's season five. That's season five. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, throw his ass in the chest. <laughs> I, I think in an alternate world, it's funnier if, like, Weiss and Bennyhoff are just, like, on set or whatever, and they hear Kit Harrington talking about, like, a traumatic uh, moment from his childhood where he's just like, yeah, I was just in this crowd in, like, uh, in the launch stadium, and I couldn't find my parents, and it's why I'm really scared of being in the middle of crowds, and they're just like, we're going to sit on this. <laughs> It's just a thing that they do is they go to every good character. Like, what's your biggest His fear? fear. <laughs> like, like, what would you hate for us to film? A la, a la John Mulaney in the Sack Lunch Bunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool, though. We got two in our in a row episodes of Kit Harrington. How long will this Kit Harrington run last? <laughs> How much longer can it last? What else is he in? <laughs> I'm on it. Oh, indubitably. <laughs> oh yeah, you guys are talking back to back Kit Harrington stuff. That's good. Yeah, Seven exactly. Days in Hell to Game of Thrones season six. Which let's look it up because I think these two things were happening pretty soon. Because like, wasn't Seven Days in Hell twenty fifteen or? Yeah, this is twenty sixteen. This is twenty sixteen. They're on top of each other. Yeah. Wow. So, so I think I think either I think it was either on top. Of, yeah. Season five or season six was Seven Days in Hell. And this is this this started in December of twenty fifteen or. Or, no, 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 April twenty. This the season started April something twenty sixteen. Oh, that's Seven filming. Days yeah, yeah. Dropped was March thirteenth, twenty fifteen. So it was right before the release of season five. Word. Yeah. So it's all. So it's all like around this. By the way, yeah. I, I I just gotta get this. I just gotta get this out because I just remembered this. Was this the season when during filming there was the controversy of like them shooting nude shots in like a Swedish church? Because I, I think because this is because this is the because what what episode is it where uh, uh Cersei or not Cersei sorry uh where Daenerys comes out of the where she burns all the um uh was it is this is the season where she burns the um um, 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 um yeah the Dorothy where she like comes out of like the like burning she comes out of the fire nude well she's done that before I feel like no but what you're talking I think that's season five okay yeah. okay pretty sure. Well, like she's come out of fire before, like she did it with when the dragons were born. Obviously, what? was she naked? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, well, she came out of fire. Well, like <laughs> John and I just fist bumped off camera or right off camera. Sorry, <laughs> off well, I mean it's all off camera. Yeah. <laughs> off mic. Off, off mic. mic. It wasn't allowed. Enough. It wasn't allowed. We you couldn't hear it. 
Maybe we should have gone for the high five. Um, <laughs> but I remember there being some controversy during filming where it was like one of the nude scenes, like they were like shooting it in some sort of like in like a church or something like that. And I think it might have been the season five, uh, like where Daenerys comes out nude and like the Swedish church is like, no, you can't do this. This is this is a holy place. <laughs> we, oh, no, that might have been that might have been Cersei's walk of shame. Yeah, oh. it was. It was. It was season. I just research department. Research department coming we got, in. We got a complex article on this, and it's it's it is Cersei's end of Wait, season like five. A, a complicated article or an article from complex.com? Both. Both. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> right. Um, a complex article. A complex, complex article. A complex, complex article. But yeah, it's it's in Croatia. It's and in a Dubrovnik church. Yeah. Is where they had it, and I don't think that. I don't think the Croatians were too happy about it. Yeah. Sorry. So, sorry to all the Swedes listening out there for uh, <laughs> yeah. trying to, trying to, uh, I guess, uh, what's called stereotype your people as prude. Uh, well, obviously not as shown by seven days in hell and the Swedish prison scene. Yes. <laughs> so, which obviously they consented to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they, had to, they had to get a referendum from everyone in Sweden. Like, Hey, do you want us to depict your people in this way? Yeah. Uh, and they all voted. Yes. Yes. Uh, Okay, good, good. Gl- glad that I got that. <laughs> while, while we're on the topic, because obviously thinking about uh, Daenerys, Daenerys's arc is very interesting also uh, in this season, John. Well, yeah, I mean, you start you start off with she has just been, you know, so end of season five, one of the final episodes, second last episode is you have the people storm, like the game or whatever, like the, like, I forget what it's called that they have. But pretty much just oh, the, the, the like, Coliseum the Coliseum scene. The fighting pits. The yeah, fight. the fighting pits. You have the Sons of the Harpy who are funded by the X-Master and stuff like that, trying to dethrone or take away what her Danny's powers. And you have her dragon come out of nowhere, save the day, and it seems all good, but then the dragon just sort of leaves her. And she gets picked up by a Dothraki horde, which is never good in <laughs> Game of Thrones world. Like, exactly. But but and it just, it's like one of those rules is like don't start a land war in Asia and don't get picked up by a Dothraki yeah. horde. Yeah, you don't invade Russia in the winter. And, exactly. And you don't and you don't get you know snatched by a Dothraki horde. But I mean, it's interesting because it's stuff because you have her go to like the head of, to the call of the time, and she's and it's like oh they're being rude to her stuff like that because they're Dothraki they're assholes so, exactly. And then and then she's just like oh I was married to Call Drago he died I'm his widow. And they're like, oh, we're, we're my bad. And she's like, oh, everything's good. And they're like, oh, by the way, you got to chill in this hut for the rest of your life because you're a widow of a call. <laughs> so that, that so then that sort of just leads her down her path for the beginning of that season, you know? Yeah. Which another kind of thing talking about, like, how badass season five ended was with, obviously, the dragon scene. Like, that was the scene everyone was kind of, what? Yeah. That was season five, obviously. Yeah, right? season five, episode nine uh, is when the dragon comes in and just starts, just you know, having his way with the Coliseum. Yeah, and that was. I feel like that was when, like, all those. That was also, I feel like, at the time when the memes were at like its height. It's just like one of those dragons. Like, I think it was like the Key and Peel sketch when it's just like one of those dragons coming in, like the two parking lot attendants. Yeah. <laughs> or I think it's the two ballet guys. It's yeah. like, Mildly famous, like P- Key and Peele sketch, and they're like, My girl Khaleesi. No, <laughs> they're like, he's like going back and forward talking about drones, yeah. Exactly. So, but that was like the hype, like that was when the hype machine for the dragons was really getting going. And then that payoff in that episode was just ridiculous seeing the dragons, which also did a good job of kind of, I guess, setting up further seasons. And so, you know, actually, like, oh no, these dragons are here to, they're here to fucking play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
they get a fucking ball. And I think, because I believe at this time, I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, it's one dragon. I will, I will not. Okay. <laughs> Tom can, but <laughs> one dragon is out right now. So you have Drogon is 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 just loose. You know, <laughs> he's let he's let loose. I forget why, but he's doing his own thing. Then you have her two other dragons locked up somewhere in the ring, I believe. Yeah, Dro- Drogon, I think, was like never chained up because he was always kind of rogue. Yeah. Um and yeah, the the other the other two uh, uh can't remember their names right now. Rhaegar and Rhaegar. Uh, Viserion. Yeah. yeah. Rhaegar and Kevin. <laughs> Fido. Exactly, Fido. <laughs> Your spot. Your spot. Yeah, and they, they, they're, they're chained up at this point. I think one of the cool one of the coolest like parts of this of this season, I believe it's this season, is when Tyrion goes down with Varys. With or he no, he goes down by himself. Oh, by himself, yeah. And this sparks, I mean, what people who've read the book, I believe, had always had theories about him being a Targaryen. But this sparks, like, for those who only watch the television show, this is just like, oh, Tyrion's a, he's probably, you know. Because the dragon doesn't kill him. Because it doesn't kill him. Yeah. And dragons are known for killing. He have a little dragon blood in him. Yeah. I could see it. I could see that, like, being a theory that is fully, keep in mind. Supposedly, we're still waiting on two more books. Waiting on pages, baby. <laughs> waiting on the pages. So that could be, based on like what I know about Tyrion and everything, he could be uh, have some some dragon blood in him. But mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that doesn't really affect the show. But just something to think about. Yeah, I th- and I re- I really like season six, cause especially at the end of season six. I think it was sort of like the peak of like theories for Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like you had, you had so many different theories about. I mean, first off, you have obviously Jon Snow, big theory guy. I mean, and then <laughs> you have, and then you have Tyrion as well as like, oh, what's going to happen? It seems like everything's wrapping up right now. So I think it was like it's just a really fun time to be a fan of the show. I think. Oh, totally. Yeah, that definitely lines up with like them running out of source material is one that's starting to skyrocket. <laughs> exactly. can't, fun fact, can't have theories when there's actual books written down. Okay, tell that to Star Wars. Tell that to Star Wars. <laughs> Another podcast. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, and I think that I think that it also like makes sense. Tom, you're right, it's kind of funny thinking about this because like obviously because like, how would the show writers know about this? Like, so how would they be, like, telegraphing Tyrion being a Targaryen if they didn't even know it? Um, but it kind of makes sense consistently with the way the dragons interact with Tyrion, with the way they interact with Jon when Jon isn't sure he's a Targaryen. Yeah, uh, true. Where, yeah. like, I, and I think those scenes are especially prominent in season seven where he's at, um, uh, uh, where are they? Where do they mine Dragon for Dragonstone? Dragonstone. Dragonstone. I was about to say, where do they mine for all the dragon glass? <laughs> Dragonstone. Targaryen <laughs> Castle at Dragonstone. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry for all the bad Scottish English oh, accents that, that we're doing with this podcast, <laughs> listeners. Um, but like that, the interaction the dragons have with Jon Snow during that season, they are kind of similar to that kind of initial interaction Tyrion has with. Uh, the dragon in season six. So it makes sense that like you would kind of think that now, obviously that goes out the window when we realize <laughs> Weiss and Benioff had no clue what was going on. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, is this the, so how do you think about this, John? I'm, I'm going to throw this out. You, I'm going to put the balls in your court. 
I'm ready. How do you think that, how do you like the relationship between Tyrion and Varys in this season? I mean, it's okay. So you have Tyrion arguably has like the best bromances throughout the entire show. Obviously. Like, I mean, obviously the one that comes to mind is the one with Brun. Like the Tyrion Brun bromance is got to be up there as well. It's up there with the Jamie Brun and then the Tyrion and uh, Varys. And Varys is a character that I th- is probably one of my favorite characters of the entire show, just because like he has no real power. He's your favorite. He's one, one of, one of. All right, cool. But I just think it's cool because you know his story is kind of cool. It's just like this guy came from nothing, and it's just like he yet always finds himself on like the winning team until the very end because he was trying to be the winning team still, you know. But I mean, because he dies because yeah. Khaleesi thinks that he's like a traitor, which he kind of is, but also because he's just trying to do the right thing because he's also the only character that actually cares about the people. Yeah, I mean, he tries to like, I think he tries to give off this air of being the independent arbiter. And he's like, just like, I like, he like said, I care about the people. Like, I'm going to like, you could, he's like, oh no, me switching different sides and stuff like that. That's not me being a snake. That's just me like trying to like keep the interest. Like that's me just trying to find what's going to be the best solution on the spot. Um, so I think that his, it's interesting how you would think about his death in season eight, like whether you think it's cathartic, whether you think it's fitting or whether you think it's kind of cheap. I kind of think that it is fitting because a guy like that, it's fitting in a couple ways. One, a guy like that, it switches allegiances so many times, yeah. like is going to get his comeuppance naturally, no matter what his kind of like, what his like morals are or how, how, what he means behind all the switches. Yes. And two, it's fitting because like the descent into madness of, Daenerys that's just another kind of poor ish decision and then also just he takes on a little bit more of martyr status because he dies for his cause yeah no I would I would I definitely agree with that I think he definitely he dies for his cause like he doesn't go back on what he says yes and you it's I do I agree it's definitely a fitting way to die mm-hmm. and I think season six is definitely a good showing of him and uh Tyrion, you know, because they sort of him, Tyrion, Missandei, and Grey Worm are in charge for like I think like five episodes or something like that, or four or five episodes, maybe a little less than that before Danny comes back and takes the reins because she's off having her fun with the uh, with the Dothraki. And I think that we're we talking about. Oh, sorry, are we talking about berries here. Yeah. yeah, for the cause. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I was looking up some broad stuff for where he was at in season six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also good. Um, is uh, answer this question, Tom? Is Ver is not Ferris? Is uh, Braun before we get back to Ferris? Is Braun is he with Jamie when they are storming um, Black? What was the yeah. when they're storming uh, River Run? River yeah. Run, yeah, yeah. He's with yeah. He's Braun with Jamie. Is another guy I love because he's just he's just the ultimate opportunist. <laughs> has no has no loyalties to other than to himself and doesn't bullshit anyone. Like that's, he's just, he's just, Hey, I'm in it for me and I know what I can do. I'm a, I'm a sleazy cell sword and I know how to storm a castle. I know how to, you know, win <laughs> fights. And he literally just makes his way up from, he starts off in season one being in like the same inn as Tyrion when he gets called to, uh, the reach or uh, no the high reach and uh just makes his way to being a right-hand man of the lannisters and survives the whole thing i he's and is funny the whole time i bron is bron's like the creed of game of thrones (laughs) 
Yeah, he really he really is. I mean, he's phenomenal. Like you said, he starts off he literally the ultimate opportunist. There's no better way to put it. Because I mean, he starts off just like pretty much just like a like a soldier kind of like sort of like a sword for hire mercenary yeah. mercenary. Yes, yeah, so sword for hire. I know. I was giving you the technical APUS history yeah, term. And then and then you have Tyrion's just like ah crap. I, I need a I need a trial by combat. And this guy's just like, if I win this, like, I am set. Like, <laughs> like I am so golden. Like, and he, and he, and he bets on himself and he wins, you know? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta appreciate the, you know, how, how, how far he comes, you know? And also how versatile, yeah. And also how versatile he is, not just like hand to hand, but, you know, like say, Tom, Tom, Tom was saying it right there. If you need to cast a storm, get me informed. That's my <laughs> motto. Bronze <laughs> just ready to go. Uh, and also, like I said, also along that kind of various track, someone who is a bit of kind of, like you said, independent kind of, you could call it self-serving, but also, well, I mean, Braun definitely self-serving. And I yeah. think that's, it's interesting how those kind of characters who feel like they don't have a lot of skin in the game, but still like manage to have a very big impact. It's funny how we kind of gravitate toward those characters, uh, specifically, like I said, talking about Braun and Varys uh, and how they're able to, these are these kind of, proverbial everyman who are able to kind of foray not being like going from nothing to being having an, a hand in the fate of the seven kingdoms yeah definitely and, yeah mean, like yeah it's just i mean you just gotta love the i, I love the brown is just the most lovable character because he is always funny he's he's always coming in he's got a quick he's witty he's got a quick little little joke little little jab that <laughs> little he's always jab. got got stored up he's got a sailor's mouth and, I, and yeah at the beginning of this he is I, he's in charge of the like of the uh raid at uh river run and then jamie comes in and they i guess they sort of had their bromance throughout the uh past season because they have their whole thing. Season five. Like, season five. I think I may be wrong on that one where he's just training Jamie to fight with his left hand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they okay, they yeah. get some bonding there. They go down to Dorn mm-hmm. randomly. And <laughs> yeah. Season five, I think, is is kind of a is kind of a throwaway season, save for maybe like the last one or two episodes. Ooh. They do have some good they do have the last two episodes are very, very good. Is season five where Joffrey dies? Who's that for? Four. That's four. four. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because yeah. I think cause at the end of season four is Tyrion runs away. Yeah. Season five. Is okay, it's him getting the chest. Yeah. Yeah. It's him getting to getting to Daenerys. Yeah, I think that an interesting thing about season six is that it lets Tyrion kind of rest in the sense that I feel like some of his like storylines aren't as, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but they don't feel like as high stakes necessarily. He's kind of resting on the side before he gets back into the action being kind of a hand of the queen in season seven and eight. Uh, what do you think about like him kind of getting the opportunity to kind of, after a lot of like action filled seasons, obviously killing his dad and uh, the end of kind of season four, season five, I feel like he kind of gets a little bit of time. I don't know to take a bit of not be like the center of attention a lot. I would say that he, I don't know, I, I kind of know what you're saying, where, like, his life isn't necessarily on the line, but mm-hmm. um, I think season six is a lot about him, like, building trust with Daenerys mm-hmm. and, like, positioning himself to be the Hand of the Queen, because I think the end of season six is when she officially appoints him as Hand of the Queen, because he comes in, yeah. initially, he's related to the family that basically upended the Targaryens. Her, mm-hmm. I mean, his, Tyrion's brother killed Danny's dad. Yeah. So like, 
it, it, so he, he comes in with like not necessarily like at risk of being killed, but he's kind of like starting at square one. He's got really no he has no clout in uh in Marine <laughs> zero clout game. Yeah, you know he does, and I think like I think what you're getting so like pretty much season two through five is him running away from getting murdered a lot, like. And it's just, he's probably, he's like a character through those seasons, and even one, where it's just like, dang, how did he survive? And season six is finally like him, like, he's like, like he's, he's not going to, like, get murdered, it's looking like, but, like, he's got to go prove himself to Daenerys that he wants to fight for her. Exactly, and, like, his, like, you feel, you feel like that kind of tension is reserved for other storylines versus just focusing on, um, versus just focusing on him, like you said. Uh, running for his life. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> I, 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 I do enjoy, like I said, thinking of it that way, him going from square one. It feels like at by, by season six, it's like he's either trying to, he's either trying to, like he's either gaining trust with Daenerys or losing it by the, like there's no like middle ground because it's just like the whole yeah. season six, he's still trying to gain the trust. Season seven, season eight, he's kind of losing it. Uh, <laughs> well, what's the siege in season seven? He plans that just goes completely wrong. They try and take the Lannister, like uh, they, yeah, Casterly Rock. They try to take Casterly Rock. They they set it up. They set it up like it's going to be this really cool thing, and then it like doesn't matter at all. And I don't know if they intend to do that, but they like they really hype it up for season seven, and it just <laughs> ends up being really lame and not mattering at all. Yeah, exactly. Like it was, it was definitely hyped up at the end of an episode. Then, like the beginning of the next episode, is just like, oh, by the way, this went to shit. But don't worry, nothing like they'll, they'll be fine or something like that. Yeah, he's like, I know about all of the sewers because that was my job. And we're like, oh, <laughs> and then it's like, oh no, wait, they immediately have to leave because that was the wrong thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> just because that was the, exactly because that you you know you know Tyrion that thing that you said you had more expertise on and that you were betting your life on you couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> done messed up, Tyrion. You done messed up. You done goofed. Um, and thinking of another kind of storyline that's kind of on its own, I was thinking of uh, just going into kind of the Arya storyline, and which we have I guess we haven't talked about that much, but talking about how that's kind of the opposite where I feel like she is kind of running for her life a lot in season six. Well, I believe, I believe season, so season six, she starts off, she's just blind. You know, she's blinded by them. And then like, so the, the, the woman who's like been training her and been like with her in like the temple is there is now training her to like fight while blind Mm -hmm. pretty much, I believe. And then, yeah, so it's 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 a very interesting Arya arc because like this is where she sort of like this is where she sort of comes into like the badass Arya Stark that she like is like shows in season seven and eight. Yeah, and I think that her I like her work more when she's alone, like versus yeah. like when she's in Winterfell in season seven and eight. Even though she has obviously has good moments, uh, obviously she she has she is very very like season seven and season eight, she gets pushed to the moon, as we would say, in terms of like her getting like a lot of great yeah. spots. Uh, but I really do enjoy her work in season six where she's on her own in, uh, like you say, working with the, the man who had the man who has no face. And yeah. She's, she's cooler. Like as a character when she's not with the Starks. Yes. And that's, that's, and that's, and that's shown by the, the finale season eight, where she's just like, I got to go on my own adventure. Yeah. Cause she, I mean, it's just like, 
Because I think they do. That's one thing they do a good job of. Like it's awkward when all the Starks are kind of like back together. It's also awkward the sex scene. Which one? Season eight. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, I had to remind you about that. Oh, yeah. but was... well, we didn't need that. We'll just apparently wanted to mention it. Well, okay. I'm just saying we we're all uh, apparently we weren't all thinking it. Was just it. you. But I was just thinking about how weird that was. How we're just we're like all thinking it now. <laughs> Thanks, Will. Well, no, just how it was just like I remember watching that and being like, uh, I mean, I guess get it, Arya, but like you're probably like 15. I don't yeah, know. She's, she's, I mean, it's been like seven years. She was like 10 at the beginning of the season. At the beginning okay. of the show. Well, okay, it's season eight, so maybe it's eight years, okay? Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, I'm just saying, like, the actress at this time is like. Well, I know the actress is old enough. Well, okay. <laughs> Okay, back to what I was saying. Go on. Sorry. I, I don't know. You got you, you, you lost me. Okay. Talk about how. No, but I think they do a good job of showing the awkwardness between like all the Starks being back together because I mean it's they haven't seen each other in like six years. I mean like Brand's a Raven, you know. <laughs> I mean Arya's an assassin. Sansa is like. Doesn't suck anymore. Like it's, <laughs> Sansa doesn't it's, suck. It's, it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. Because like, I think they actually do a good job of that in the late seasons. Yeah, I think. I think Arya, the whole show, a big thing for her is her trying to figure out her identity and who she is. And you know, it starts off. She doesn't want to be a lady. She wants to be, you know, someone who can fight with a sword. And then. When she's in Bravos, it's about her giving up her identity entirely and becoming no one. And then ultimately, she's like, "No, you know what? I forgot who I am. Like, I'm Arya Motherfucking Stark, <laughs> and like, I'm going back." I, that's that's almost a direct quote from her at the end. Because <laughs> like, I'm Arya Stark. My name is Arya Stark, and I'm going home. Um, yeah, which I think is is pretty cool. Like, she I, sometimes I kind of think like. It's kind of cheating. She sort of took all of the skills she learned from the faceless men, and then she was just like, "No, I, I kind of want to be just a regular person." <laughs> she poached. She poached the skills. Oh, I, I lied. <laughs> I don't want to do this. But, but yeah, yeah, she ends up. She always kind of, you know, marches to the beat of her own drum. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, God, Arya's Arya's got some really cool. Isn't this the? Doesn't she kill? Walter Frey. Yeah, I think of, is that the yeah. end? Of, yeah, the end. I think that's the beginning of the last episode. Is her killing Walter Frey? Yeah, yeah, Something you're right. Like that, yeah. Um, no, the beginning of the last episode is the, the set blowing. Yeah, up, it's the trial, which we haven't even. Oh, about. okay, gotcha. Yeah, the uh, episode ten. Pretty much all of episode ten. It's got that weird, like, cool, like, violin music in the background, and then it's the, <laughs> that the, scene the for like trial. ages when you're down in the basement. Yeah. Oh. Who is it? Isn't it like the one guy? It's the cousin. What do you mean? Go on. Lancel. Yeah, Lancel. The guy in the basement. Yeah, yeah, crawling. He's trying to stop it. You know, the guy that like had his quick little thing with Cersei because he's a Lannister and that's what Lannisters do. And then then he became a priest guy. Yeah. Oh, man. I can can pretty vividly remember watching that and being like the whole time like, what is going on? Oh, yeah. And then slowly being like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. No way. And then it actually happening. I, like, that was just mind-blowing. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, season six is known for the final two episodes. Those, those two episodes are phenomenal. I mean, yeah. you have, I mean, especially season, uh, the episode 10, the entire thing in, in the, what's in this? In the, the crypts and the sept. The sept. And the sept and the crypts. It's just, all, you have all those characters, all the Westeros characters converging, converging pretty much into one. And it is. It's, I mean, all the King's Landing characters, I yeah. should say, yeah, all, all merging. And like you said, I like, like Tom said, just like it's like, oh, oh like the Mad the Kings, they got the Mad the Kings, got every, music, got the like, what, what's the liquid called again? It's uh, that wildfire, they, wildfire, yeah, yeah wildfire. The, the Mad King stored in the, the base, which is like they probably what I don't know how they mentioned in the books, but I feel like in the series they mention it like what like three times. <laughs> yeah. They really rest on that knowledge. <laughs> yeah, it's. Well, like, yeah, because you, you have uh, Tyrion, and when they're under attack from the from Stannis, like, he's just like, oh, we got all this, like, really leaking. We got a bunch of green C4 in the basement <laughs> yeah, if you like, need it. Like, just, you know, heads up. A lot of this stuff, <laughs> don't mind us. Don't, like, nobody, like, don't, don't mention this for, like, five straight seasons, but, like, it's here. <laughs> for some reason, that reminded me, like, the big, one of the big reveals in season seven is how they're working on the dragon arrow technology. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just, like, we got dragon technology in the basement where you have, like, a, where it's, it's, yeah, what, it's, uh, what's called, it? what was, uh, do you remember what Cersei's hand was named? That squirrely looking motherfucker? Qui- Quiburn. 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 Kyber, Kyber. He's like Maester yeah. and like hand. Like yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, he's yeah. he he's so creepy. He's just like yeah. he's just you know, you think Varys is creepy at first. No, not really that creepy. Dude, you think the sparrow's creepy? Yeah. Sparrow is <laughs> you got Pope, Pope Bernie Sanders and a sparrow. Yeah. Pope Francis Sanders <laughs> over there. Like, it's, it's it's not a great one. Who capitalized on everyone realizing, hey, this guy from Game of Thrones looks like the Pope. It's starring <laughs> in a show about the Pope. Like Academy Award winning like, <laughs> like movie as the Pope. As, as one of the two popes. <laughs> Uh, two popes or a new pope? Two popes. No, no. What's your favorite? Oh, I've never. I've had seen. I watched some of the new pope. It's pretty fucking good. Okay. Not to be confused with the young pope starring Jude Law. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I think two popes like one like a decent amount. Isn't that Hopkins also? Yeah, it's Hopkins and Sparrow. We don't know what the oh, actor's no, name. Oh, hey, What's his name? We'll look it up. Jonathan Price. Yeah. Jonathan. How would I would? Know He's that. a pretty famous actor. No, he isn't. What else is he in? Oh, research department. Research department is working, but it was pretty good. Like that was. He was in. He was in a Bond movie. He was in Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, what was he in Pirates of the Caribbean? I don't know, but he was. (laughs) Ronan, and not the one with Keanu Reeves, the original (laughs) Ronan. He was in a decent amount of stuff. He was in What a Girl Wants. I mean. Wow. What a girl wants is the sparrow. He was the lead male role, right? He was the teenage heartthrob at age 75. Even Amanda's still in touch, you know? <laughs> still, they're, they're, they're on each other's Christmas card lists. Yeah, I mean, they've been, they've been big on their Zoom calls during this time. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I do think that, oh, where is I going to go with it? It's... I was the only reason why I was rooting really, really against the Sparrow is because how he fucking played Marjorie. Dude, I yeah, that that freaked me out. Like it weirded me out how he did that, but yeah. also I was like, this guy kind of has something to him where he's got like, oh, like a like a fucked up kind of charisma. Yeah, which made him like 
I, I kind of liked all of those characters who had that weird thing. Like I, I was kind of like back to like Ramsey. I thought like Ramsey had a weird strategic thing about him where yeah. like I didn't like him, but I respected the character. <laughs> kind of same thing goes for the Sparrow, where he just kind of like makes these people into like religious zombies, kind of. Yeah, don't hate the player, hate the game. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, I, I, I mean. Throughout the past, those two seasons, five and six, you just see him just like, like sort of just manipulate so many people, and you just have you have to look on and be like, that's a good character. Like you, you know, you have to appreciate what he does for the character. Also, when you're like by the end of season four, you're like obviously like red weddings already happened, right? You're just kind of like, all right, you're a Game of Thrones fan. You're like, I kind of think I know where this is going, and then they throw in cult leader francis sanders over here and you're like whoa did not see this coming yeah exactly it seems like you know lannisters are like got a pretty good grip pretty <laughs> good grip on, king's on, landing, on king's landing. Like, nope. it's not going anywhere nope <laughs> oh what you don't you, you don't you don't think incest boy tommen has a good <laughs> like you thought he just had an iron grip over that city dude it's so funny honestly reading the books about like it it kind of comes to to fruition how the how the sparrow takes over um king's landing in the in the books because cersei's kind of leading everything mm-hmm. and it's just so funny like reading cersei fuck everything up <laughs> <laughs> it really is like it, it really is a good read i feel like something this might not this like uh, something that i kind of i guess like put on King's Landing is that King's Landing kind of seems like a godless country, which is kind of interesting how they get swept up in this cult of mania. Uh, I, I don't know if that's only you guys got like a vibe you guys got, but it felt like a very material kind of part of, you know, the seven kingdoms. And so I think that's interesting how this very material kind of superficial ish, like city, you know, obviously like very involved with the kingdom and very involved with, you know, the, the throne and whatnot. Uh, I find it interesting how this very material kind of earthly uh, city is what got swept up in this huge spiritual movement. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's my next level analysis. Like I say, I'm shopping that at a couple of shopping at a couple of thesis <laughs> programs on the North shore. See, yeah. see if I can see if I can get some, gain, gain some steam. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely Tom, I'm, I'm sure at Wisconsin, there probably is like a game of Thrones class somewhere like at Wisconsin. <laughs> Oh, I oh, I I wish I'd found it. I'm not really sure. Um, I definitely would have taken it if I'd known about it. But did I? Oh, I actually did a. Oh my god, I'm about to sound so nerdy. Hell yeah! But my my senior year, my friends and I did this project in this like stats class where we had to we picked this as our project theme uh, to determine if the deaths in Game of Thrones we're getting statistically out of control. <laughs> it, it was like coming from like a process manufacturing like standpoint, like trying to find like defects in the process. And we applied it to Game of Thrones deaths in the trend. And it was like by season six and seven, kind of didn't really need an analysis here, but it got just so out of control, the level of deaths in the show. Yeah. <laughs> it just got ridiculous. I'm just imagining some, like, 70s chain-smoking accountant with a green visor and a punch calculator, like, hitting it in, like, and the receipts coming out of the calculator. These numbers aren't good! The books are cooked! <laughs> yeah, the graphs we made for that project were ridiculous when we got to season six and seven. It was like... Uh, 
no question. And that's not even getting into all the deaths in season eight, all the human carnage in, 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 yeah. in the dragon scene. For real, yeah. It's um, insane. Yeah, they really step it up. It's, it's exponential growth, some would say, from season one up until uh, season eight. Very triggering word in the time of COVID-19. Don's <laughs> talk about exponential growth. Hey, slow that curve. Slow that curve. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, you talked about it earlier, but I mean, I think we have to go over a little bit on, you know, Marjorie as a character throughout <sighs> season six. Because I mean, like... She's got to be one of the most lovable characters of all throughout Game of Thrones. I know I was a big fan of Marjorie throughout the time. She's she plays the game and she plays the game so well too. Like she should she should be a winner of the game, but like just a couple bad rolls of the die and she ends up blowing up in a in a, in a sept, you know. Yeah, Marjorie, I will say, is the one character I think that they make way better in the show than she is in the books. Oh. Um, yeah, like she's, I mean, they give her a lot more of kind of like an ambitious character in the show, um, which is not as evident in yeah, the books. Um, yeah, she is, yeah, we, we haven't really given her, her the credit. She's a great, great, great ad. And I think that, I think part of that might have to do with how well the actress Natalie Dormer does with the character of Marjorie. I think definitely the showrunners would give her a little more leeway and like you said, a little more character development and make her seem like a more well-rounded and give her a lot of good storylines because, or at least make her shine in those storylines because of the job she's doing. I think she's a phenomenal actress, Natalie Palmer. Yeah, no, she, and I think like seasons four through six, you really see her sort of become like, she almost like joins the ranks of like the she she pretty much becomes the main character of the show. She she joins the ranks of, of like the Starks and the Lannisters as as a what what is oh it's a Tyrell obviously and I think even even in her death you sort of see like how like dope a character she is because she's just like yo we gotta go like she figures it out before anybody else yeah, figures clicks. it out. Yeah, like, I think she like, gives a look to the Sparrow right before they all blow up and she's like. Yeah. What did I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like, like you done messed up, Sparrow. Like she, she's yeah. like, gath- she gathers like her family. She's like, we have to go. And then the Sparrow's like, you guys ain't leaving anywhere. And she's just like, really? And then, <laughs> and then, yeah. and then cue the curb your enthusiasm music. some always sunny. <laughs> <laughs> always sunny, like yeah. high Sparrow. It's not going to blow up. The set blows <laughs> up. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of think that that it, like talking about how much of a bummer it was that the high sparrow kind of got like got his claws into her. Um, it is kind of kind of nice to see before she goes out. Like she kind of ditches that at the end, and she's like, "This is all ridiculous. We need to go." Exactly. This is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they should. I I, I don't know. I mean, what the, I I do like about the sub scene, or what I will say about the sub scene is. I think somebody should have taken notice of Tommen not being there and Cersei not being there a little earlier, you know? Like, you know, like, like, hey, where's Cersei, like, guys? And that's like usually not something that if your enemy is not there for the trial, like, and none of her people that she cares about is there for the trial. Don't just like wipe that off your shoulder, like, you know, dust that off. Like, Did they learn nothing from OJ? It, <laughs> just like is OJ gonna show up? Yes, it's uh, what's this called? Um, uh, oh, what what's his name? Who's the lawyer? Not Kardashian. Um, Kardashian. Bobby no, Cochran. No, not 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 Cochran. It's the guy who. Uh, how am I forgetting what his name? Johnny Cochran. Bo- Rob. Uh, 
Rob something. Rob Kardashian? No, not Rob Kardashian. <laughs> it's the guy who Travolta plays. Oh. <sighs> What's this called? He's just saying, don't worry, guys, Gil, he's going to be there. He's going to be, he's going to make, he's going to turn himself in. <laughs> flash forward to. Flash, Robert Shapiro. Robert Shapiro. Bob Shapiro. Yeah. Flash forward to, to, to the LAPD getting on the mic and being like, yeah, we don't know where OJ is. <laughs> Wait, this is actually a pretty. I wonder if anyone's ever made this connection between Cersei Lannister and O.J. Simpson. (laughs) (laughs) We might be breaking some ground. There's something there. (laughs) There's nowhere. So then, uh, again, breaking new ground. We got to tease this theory out. You know, let's massage it, get it to a nice waft. What what is her white bronco? What is her white bronco? I mean. The mountain. Yeah, the mountain. <laughs> Jamie, because she loves to ride that thing. High five. Audible high five. Audible high five on the podcast. We don't actually high five. We just like both make a sound. <laughs> you know? Like and we're really good at timing. It. Sound effects. Maybe that's what we need on the podcast to increase viewers. Zany noises. <laughs> yeah, you guys need a soundboard. Exactly. <laughs> Damn, son, where'd you find this? <laughs> It's like uh, Parks and Rec, uh, Nick Kroll's character, or whatever. It's like, it's like uh, the douche. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, the douche or something like that. <laughs> exactly. And he's actually got like a Northwestern degree. Yeah, exactly. The douche. Um, yeah. You're, first off, everyone, great that we broke ground on this OJ comparison. But also just, yes, John, obviously. It's a little suspicious that Cersei's not here. Yeah. Oh, Cersei, your trial? Uh, <laughs> Hi, Sparrow. We're good. <laughs> exactly, guys. I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> like, let's get to let's get to judging. Come on, exactly. get busy judging or get busy dying. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he got busy dying. I think that that visceral scene of even though obviously, like it is, it just goes to show you. Even though Marjorie dies, the like closure that that scene kind of gives you it's so it was very gratifying like from a kind of rooting for Cersei way that that's why that episode for some reason sticks out in my mind more than Battle of the Bastards as like me enjoying season six also just the hilarious unintentionally hilarious just shot of Tom and dead fishing it out of the window <laughs> that's cl- the classic meme <laughs> I was going to bring that up. That is like one of the, I laugh every time (laughs) Tom and just with that look of shock on his face. Uh, I'm I'm seeing, if you just search up Tom and Jeff, there's just like, like five straight of them. Just jumping out. Like him just walking. Like, Oh yeah, that too. But like the the look, like when it shows his face, like like, like it blows up and he's just like, what just happened? <laughs> my wife. I wanted him to go. I, my, it would, wife. My, my wife. My wife. What would have been hilarious is if A, he yelled out, my wife, or if he did the MacGruber thing, someone call 911. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You guys. Are you guys? Are you guys okay? Are you okay? <laughs> he just goes up. He's like shaking like Marjorie. Marjorie, are you okay? Oh, no, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, Tom and, Tom and like, it's the Tom and death. Like you feel bad because he's just a kid, but on the other hand, it's just like you are the worst player of this game. That dude, he's ever also seen. the product of incest. Like yeah, but the the other product was at least like fun with the game. He was at least he had fun with it. <laughs> like like oh god, it wasn't party pooper Tom and yeah, he's, he literally is. He's just like. He's just like, let me let the high sparrow, this old dude, just run circles around me and just and just ruin me. But I mean, I think 
the ending of season six, it's oh, it, it's it's haunting. It it, it is it, 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 Chef's it kiss. is the, from like the the music to like the like characters. It's oh, it's 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 phenomenal. Also, it just makes sense, like in terms of the story arc where traditionally the second seat the second to like last episode of the seasons have been the crowd pleasers in a lot of cases this this one was too yeah that's what i mean it's yeah. like the second to last episode and the last episode you might have like twists you might have like especially like in season five the twist was uh john snow dying yeah so like i think that it follows that structure which is a structure that really did thrones well yeah, I think I think with it, it, they do a really good job of. I think you're right. Like the season, the the penultimate episode. There we go. You got it right. You understand? <laughs> it's like oh, it's like it's 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 crowd fair. I mean, it's it's fanfare, but like in a really good way. It's still good. Yeah. But then the last episode is just like I let me get surface all the let me like tie the knots to all the storylines. But also, but also like leave you with a cliff, with multiple cliffhangers and like right, want the next season. You want the next season right away. Yeah. You know, they do a really good job of and they hit their stride season five, season six, like with the, with those two, those two seasons, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to like make this an actual, like a separate point that the music in the show, like Robin Jawadi, however you pronounce his last name does like, an unmatched job with the soundtrack of like every scene, like it, he just makes every scene so much better. Every time there's, there's like a good music set accompanying something happening. Mm-hmm. It really, really just makes the show so much better. I think you're right. And I think that's something that a lot of people brought to the attention in contrast with like the scenes in season eight, where the lighting was something that a lot of people complained about. I don't know if you guys remember, especially during the, uh, the fight uh, for the North against the oh, yeah. walkers where a lot of the lighting scenes were so dark that it was really tough to understand. Like I remember watching some scenes in season eight and being like, is this just cause of, like our TV is older? Cause the like, cause the lighting is weird, but it was yeah. cause the lighting was weird. So <clears throat> it's interesting how like Tom, that music continually shines through and does such a great job of setting the scene. And it sometimes highlights how other aspects of the, of the production weren't as, I don't know, weren't as well done. But the music, I mean, you guys both said it. John, you talked about specifically that season 10 episode. The the, the patience that they have with setting up that scene, and it's the patience only works because the music is there. Yeah. It's it's drawn out. It's I mean, it's really it's done really well. I mean, it's it's got I think Tom's like portrayal of it, like it's literally like you started like you just find yourself slowly edging closer to the edge of your seat. Like it's it's, it's, Ooh, it's, baby. it's really good. Oh baby. <laughs> It's a slow burn, like, no pun intended, man. (laughs) (laughs) Great shot. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) a good time for a soundboard. (laughs) 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 Some soundboards, yeah. Exactly. But, I mean, no, it it really is just the slow anticipation up until the final, like, like, ten minutes of it where it's just, like, all these revelations are happening. All these yeah. like crazy things, and it's, it's it's they do a really good job with it. Yeah. Before we get a little bit ahead, because uh, uh, I just want to talk about some thing, parts of the season that we haven't talked about as much, specifically talking about Bram. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I, I mean, we got to talk about because this is like this is an important season for him, and I think it is an important shift in his character before he turns into season eight. Oh, I didn't see you there, Bram. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, Bram. But, like, how do you, John, how do you think about, I guess, 
him becoming, you could call him him becoming, I guess, more of a main character, but his entering into the Game of Thrones in a way. Bran is not in season five at all. He is completely excluded from the season. I mean, because it's him. Because you had season four with him getting to the Three-Eyed Raven. Mm-hmm. So yes, is he really not in season five at all? He does not make a single appearance in season five. Wow. Like, not one. Wow. That's crazy. He's completely... Yeah, that's... I mean, I just... Because I remember, like, whenever I would go back and, like, go through, like, this game throw stuff, I'd always notice how Bran, like, if you go on his, like, wiki page, like, just not, not existent in season five. Probably because the actor is dodging tax evasion, so he wants to keep a low profile. Uh, classic <laughs> European, am I right? <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, season six is just like his his storyline is like wow, like it's where you start to see like oh he's he's important, like exactly, <laughs> like this guy, we guys, let's this let's guy. pay attention to him now, <laughs> like because he he comes up like he comes out with, like the abstract stuff that you're like oh that that's gonna mean something later, but like what's it what's it doing now so. I think season season six is the start of him. It's it's his climb, you know. But before he like jumps the shark, where like some people start to turn on him in season yeah. eight, just because he was acting so ridiculous. Season seven, season seven and eight, he because he just turns into like I mean monotone like asshole. Let me tell you about something that happened in your life. I think the showrunners didn't really know. I think. George R. R. Martin has a plan for him ultimately, yeah. but the showrunners had him have all these powers, and then they were like, "We don't really know how to use this, so yeah. let's just make him really weird." <laughs> <laughs> let's turn him into like a combination of like Magneto from the X Men yeah. and like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the- <laughs> bam. We oh, have hi. Oh, hi, Sansa. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh hi, Brad! You're our you're our favorite customer. You come here all the time. Hi, doggy. <laughs> when he's talking to the dire wolves. <laughs> oh hi, doggy. I think I think I feel like my favorite Game of Thrones meme is all time is when so you when, when you have the scene with him like in Santa like talking like next to the tree. In season seven, <laughs> yeah, right. or season seven, I think, and it's just like you, the options brands has to tell her like tell her about John being a Targaryen, tell her about like the White Walkers and stuff like that. It's selected option. Tell her how I watched you get raped. Yeah. <laughs> like, like like what? <laughs> like, like who are you? <laughs> Why are you doing this? <laughs> I, 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 and I think, especially, I, I remember in the season eight, the like Battle of the White Walkers and stuff between the people. When you have the King White Walker just come up and like, like just like walk to Bran and Bran's doing nothing. <laughs> I'm like, dude, like you have you're you're a, like a ward or whatever they're called. What's it called? Uh, yeah, he's a ward. A ward, a ward, yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm like, I wanted to see like, like. Hundreds of ravens like going and swarming and like attacking like the, the yeah, like, like, like a Hitchcock king. movie yeah exactly like, like yeah the crows the birds, the birds. and then, like yeah. attacking him and like even and then I wanted like the I still wanted like the ice like king to like like just like dust that off but like he doesn't do anything <laughs> like he just lets it happen yeah yeah I oh man Bran was really under I mean we haven't even touched on the the Hodor thing oh. that. Make Just when you cry. think you've hit all the big parts of season six. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, first of all, un- unreal, heart-wrenching scene. Yeah. Second of all, I feel like they, I-, I thought that was awesome that they set up that Bran somehow has some kind of time-altering effect mm-hmm. powers in him. 
Yeah. Um, which is actually, so like one of the, back to like the source material, George R. R. Martin told the, uh, D and D that that was one of the, I think he told him like three things that he ultimately had planned for mm-hmm. like the future books. And one of them was Jon Snow's uh, parents. Yeah. The second one, I forget what the, what the second one was, but the other one was that Bran was the one who ultimately like had the hand in Hodor's fate, like retroactively. And I wish they kind of, I wish they fleshed out that effect that Bran had more like that. He could, kind of change time. Yeah, I, yeah, we definitely talk. I mean, it's definitely a good point. Just like Bran, like you, he seems like he should have all these powers. Like he seems like he should be so powerful and they make it seem like he does, but they don't actually have him do much of anything. They offer glimpses of his actual power without yeah. offering too many payoffs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the, uh, yeah. it's the, you throw a gun on stage and don't shoot it. It's Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's gun, yeah, yeah. So, you, like, they yeah. Chekhov's gun brand multiple times throughout the season. And I think, like, that see, it's episode four in the door is just, like, the end of that episode, Hodor's death, is probably one of the most, you know, like, emotional deaths of the entire series. If It's, it's got to be up there. Just so many questions from that. Like, I love that they did that, and like that was a really cool setup and like good on season six. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there was no payoff was really a bummer that like nothing really ever came of that power that he had. Yeah. Yeah. Which like we, we talked about like from the beginning, season six did a, such a great job of not only providing gratifying moments, but for seemingly setting them up for like a slam dunk seven and eight kind of mm-hmm. not necessarily slam dunk as in we knew what was going to happen, but slam dunk in the sense that you have, crafted these characters and their storylines so beautifully that you have so you have such a great canvas to work with yeah no it's i mean like and i think bran is such a good example of that because like they i mean just repeat myself pretty much but i mean you expect so much from him and if they end it the way they did which is bran on top like you had to do more with the character you couldn't just make him just like a, a, a little pretty much like just annoying, you know, which you, it, at times is. And I think they, I think that that's a real shame what they didn't end that way. You know? He's basically like a creepy Tom at the end. Like yeah. he's kind of doesn't really have anything that he's not really doing anything as King, mm-hmm. but he's kind of creepy. Yeah. He's not really likable. Like he's not like charismatic. Like, I don't no, know, like he, exactly. He's, he's not a- like, you don't have, I'll tell you what, you don't have people in the North yelling chanting King of the North for, for, for Bran. <laughs> like, that's not happening. Yeah. Yeah, They're more like just, pointing at him and be like, oh. <laughs> like, exactly. <yeah. laughs> like, they would tell their kids, like, now let's tell, like, the evil nighttime story of the Cripple King. <laughs> yeah. The North is all about, like, like just strength and, like, power and stuff. And Bran is, is none of that. Really just opposite of everything kind of the North is... Is, is about it's like that uh, like that Geico commercial you know he's a loner and the loner's gotta be alone you know I didn't think we were gonna talk about Geico commercials <laughs> on the pod but that's, that's episode like 200 <laughs> a Geico <laughs> commercial <laughs> retrospective talk about the money with the eyeballs the caveman yeah, the caveman's massive fake Rod Serling guy you guys should do a Geico commercial episode. We definitely should. There's, wow. there's material <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> like there's stuff <laughs> and we're, we, we mentioned the Gecko 
Yeah, we haven't even mentioned the gecko. Wow. Exactly. Yeah, and wrapping up talking about Bran, like, like we can do our due diligence with the other characters that I think in season six, if they don't have completely gratifying storylines, at the very least, they kind of stay on fire. Uh, one of my underrated favorite moments, just in terms of sheer cringe factor, is the Tully family reunion, <laughs> where you just have where Sam is just in, eating shit from his dad, and his cocksucking brother is just like, yeah, he's kind of right. And then oh, this Tar- Tarly family. Oh, Tarly, sorry. Tully, yeah, Tully. yeah, I was like, I was like, wait, what? Sorry, my bad. The Tullys no, are. What you call it? They are the like uncles and aunts of the Shark siblings. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. So they're Caitlin's, <clears throat> the Caitlin's family. Caitlin Stark's, Caitlin Stark's family. She's a Tully. Sorry, she's a Tully. Sorry, I'll play it off in post. Like I was just saying, Tarly, like <laughs> in an accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but the Tarly uh, family reunion with Sam, just eating shit from his dad and hit like the like completely like bashing his wife. Like I think it was just. It did a great job of, like, I guess following through a little bit on Sam's character in terms of, like, you he's seen his development. You know, he fought at the wall. He started to prove himself. And you think he'd start to get some respect, but he doesn't. And then you kind of understand that for several reasons, he's not going to be kind of a leader of a house. You know, obviously for several reasons, but which obviously leads his path to becoming one of the maesters. Uh, but it's interesting seeing Sam's interaction, especially because I feel like <clears throat> maybe he had more scenes in earlier seasons, John. You, like, um, well, especially when he was at the wall with John. Like, well, yeah, I mean, he may have had more scenes, but here you definitely season six, you get more individual Sam scenes. Like it's yeah. just him, you know? Yeah. And this is after he kills a white Walker, right? Yeah. He kills the white Walker pretty early on. I believe. Pretty early on. Yeah. Gotcha. Cause he kills it. Well, he kills it to, Oh, he, it may have been season five. Cause he kills it to protect, protect his yeah. family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then him, like, I I think that obviously it leads to one of the greatest season openers of all time, which is in season seven, when he's at the Maester, he's at the Maester place, and he's just, all the, like, shit scenes happen, like, when, yeah. like all the guys are taking, he has to, like, clean out all the all the shit tins or whatever, yeah. and it's just the cuts, it's just the montage of him having to replace the bathrooms. <laughs> I what, think- what did you guys think of <laughs> Sam? Like, did you guys like him as a character overall? Yeah, I mean, I was always a fan. I think I was pretty much always a fan of Sam. I love the storyline of him, like, oh, this the dweeb, but he's also <laughs> kind of cool. I, th- I like. Okay, I'm on his like wiki page, and his nicknames are Sir Piggy, Prince Porkchop, and Lady Piggy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's tough. <laughs> I liked scenes from Sam. I think that like. I think overall he ended up being a fairly inconsequential character. I think that's fair to say. <clears throat> like, yeah, like obviously he yeah. he told uh, John about his uh, he kind of revealed the secret to John in in the tombs that he was the Targaryen. Uh, but as we have stated, Bran could have clearly done that. <laughs> <laughs> the secret that ultimately didn't matter at all. <laughs> exactly. Let's, yeah. Yeah, let's let's not talk Did about not that. Did not prevent anything, anything from, from happening. happening. <laughs> it just kind of made things weird. It just, like, it, yeah. Yeah. it just made us feel. Oh, you guys, you want to? Oh, you remember that sex scene we showed you? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> you guys are weirdos now. <laughs> like honestly, like everybody benefits if that's if that secret's just not told. Like, like, well, no, because the secret's oh, not told, yeah. everyone riots. Yeah, and then. Daenerys keeps killing people. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, here I go. Kill him again. 
Um, back to Sam, though. I think, like you say, he turned out to be kind of inconsequential, which was fine for me. I think that he provided, like, I think his storyline at season seven with Jorah is pretty touching. Uh, yeah. How he gets the great scale off Jorah. I like that. I like him as the maester. I think his scene when the when he's defending the wall with John was it against the uh, who are they defending it against? It's against the uh, is it against the wildlings or whatever? That's, that's probably against the wildling. It's probably when what's his name? Who's the like the king? Who's the king that gets all the uh, Tom? You know the king that gets all the wildlings back together. Mance Raider. Mance Raider. Yeah, that's, that's probably the, when Mance Raider comes in. They have to defend the wall. I assume that's what you're talking about. That's what I'm, t- I'm talking about. I think it's season four, season five. It's when they have to defend the wall. It's the one where Jon Snow's wildling interest gets killed by Ollie. Oh. Do you remember where he, like, shoots the arrow? Yeah, like, okay. Yeah. So that's, like, that's maybe one of the saddest scenes for me. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, but the best part is Ollie's just like, I got you, John. John's like, no! Oh, so that makes it, I, I think that makes it even more sad because Ollie's like, like trying to help, yeah. <laughs> like he just fucked everything. <laughs> Ollie, Ollie can't catch a break. He's like, kill, kill the chick. Doesn't do anything right. Kills John. Like he, he Ollie can't catch yeah, a break. Yeah, those are his only two kills in the show. I think. <laughs> <laughs> two confirmed. Kills. Two confirmed. <laughs> One death. Um, but yeah, so I, I that was I think it was that scene when Sam kind of fights alongside John, and Sam has some moments like he has a couple of heroic moments. So I think he is interspersed with enough scenes to keep you invested and keep you happy. Obviously his relationship with his wildling wife is compelling. And I think it's interesting because he's the only one that really had, like he's the only one that seems like is nurturing a family. I I know obviously the whole show revolves around families and familial ties and stuff like that. But I feel like his kind of like concern for his new wife and his new kid are, I don't know. They seem kind of singular. Like they, they, they're different than everyone else caring about their kind of, relatives yeah, right they'll say that they care but they really they, they don't really well that's they, the other thing is that like it, it you see in like it seems like even familial ties can be just like broken like that if there's like if there's something on the line so i think that that also is another reason why i enjoy sam as a character but like like you said tom like i said like i he ended up not being that consequential which is fine with me yeah i i thought it was I, the reason i asked is because i re-watched it with my roommates leading up to season eight coming out a year ago. Yes. And I found out that pretty much everyone I lived with absolutely hated him. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck this guy. Oh, I guess Tom lives with a bunch of alphas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, like, I mean, he does serve a purpose here and he's like, got some nice themes of the show revolving around him, but they're just like, no, he sucks, and I'm like, yeah, he kind of does suck sometimes. <laughs> I can totally see how if you're like you, if you think he sucks, and then seeing the scene with him and his dad and his brother in season six, you're just like, oh, what? Am I supposed to feel bad for him now? This guy fucking sucks, <laughs> dude. The, the, the thing I, I I always think about with Sam is in the Long Night episode where there it cuts to a part where he's just like sitting on a pile of bodies, like crying and oh, like, yeah. how is he not getting his head chopped off right now <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty amazing that sam survives the whole show 
Yes. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's definitely a couple of characters where you're like, I thought you were Gonzo a couple times. You know, <laughs> Sam, you, you little bastard. Sam, Tyrion, like, you know, it's just like, I, I don't know how you made it, but like, yeah. okay. And then there are characters where you're definitely like, yep, you're definitely a last season death, like Theon. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you scream. Theon, I mean, did Torment survive the entire thing? He did. Yeah, totally. That's, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty dope. That, that's that's pretty nice. Didn't yeah, the uh, didn't I agree with that. eye patch Lord of the Light guy die? Yes. I think and he dies. Yeah. yeah, which is pretty cool because isn't yeah. he the guy that can just like make his sword turn to uh, like f- set fire to yeah. sword? Yeah, he's that's pretty fire badass. Sword. Fire sword's pretty badass. He saved he saves Arya so she can kill the Night King. That was like the Lord of Light's purpose for him. Oh yeah, yeah. He uh, he's a pretty cool character. I'm trying to think of other characters that I thought weren't going to make it. I think. Braun making it a hundred like there are times in seven and eight where I'm like Braun's gone so Braun no Braun, no no Braun like, surviving I agree is like, another big one like yeah. like he just seems like a character that doesn't seem like super important that they would kill off just so that like just because he's a fan favorite well just because he's a fan favorite and it'll get a reaction you know exactly yeah it, it could serve it it could serve a bit bigger purpose his sacrifice yeah exactly yeah. I've just had the I've just played in my head a couple times when we were talking about this. Uh, the uh, have you seen the video where it's when Ollie kills the wildling girl? It then immediately cuts to Bon Jovi's shot through the heart, but you're too late. Oh man, <laughs> good, good, good early, or I guess good mid Thrones, um, mid Thrones meme. Uh, other storylines, uh, I wish she, she comes in briefly and is also kind of circling throughout season six. But Brienne of Tarth, I feel like she doesn't. Does she get uh, too much development in season six? I don't think too much, but well, she, she aligns herself with Sansa. She loves oats. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> that's sort of her thing. That's her thing. <laughs> she, she loves men she can't have and oats. Like that's, that's, that's sort of her thing. I mean, she does have. In episode one, she has a badass scene where her and Pod... Just, sex God Pod. Yeah, Sex God Pod. Just massacre, like, it's a 2v8, and they just demolish, yeah. you know? Like, with a little yeah. assist by Theon in the end, but, like, that's a really... But it's a really cool scene. Yeah. I mean, Brienne... Also, Podrick making it all the way? Hell yeah. Oh, that's so sick. <laughs> that's that's so another dope. good one, yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, I don't mean to cut off again, but the, the scene, I think it's after they fight the the White Walkers, where it's just Pod in the background, kind of like a swing in a threesome. <laughs> He's like talking to two chicks in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pod, Pod is a phenomenal. He, he's he's a phenomenal character throughout the entire series. Always Which is he, fun. I feel like him, Pod, is like best case scenario for a, a like character of him and like Sam's uh, like in terms of involvement. Like in terms um, of like, I feel like Pod obviously gets less, less screen time, but still like he he. But we still think of him as a great character. Yeah, I I put him on the level with he's with like Braun. I would say you know maybe like, even a little less 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 so than Braun, but like he's that sort of character where it's just like if he wasn't there, like probably doesn't change much. But like the show is so much better, better because for he's there, yeah. you know. And like I'm, what was I going to say? Sorry, we were talking about Brienne. Oh, well, like, I was just going to say, like, I mean, a Star Wars fan that I am, like, Brienne, Atar- Brienne, so dope in this, in this show. Like, she's, like, one of the coolest characters. Yeah. But, like, her, her character in Star Wars is really, like, it really saddens me because she's Captain Phasma, who's mm-hmm. probably, like, the biggest letdown since Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, she was really underutilized in Star Wars. Yeah, very much so. And I think I, it's just a shame. I, I bring that up just because I think it's a shame because, like, you see, like, 
how dope she is like throughout the entire throughout this season or throughout this show. I mean, end of season five or whatever you have her just poke Stannis to death, or you assume. Do we okay? This is uh, this is this, this is a Fox family. This, this is a Fox family theory. Tom, okay. do you do we think Stannis is alive? Um, no, because <laughs> just. The show's over it. He didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> no, you idiot, John. Yeah, the show is over. This theory would be a lot better if it was still going on. But, I mean, because they never show Stannis' death. This is a huge yeah. Andrew and you theory. Yeah, I, I, I really like it. Because, like, I'm like, I, it's fair. Like, if you don't show his death on screen, because they love showing deaths on screen. Like, No, John, I agree with that. Like, I actually, the same thought was in my head for a while, too, with that. Because they didn't show it on screen. Yeah. That is kind of not like that. Exactly. Like they love bloody gore. Like they they they, they get their money from bloody gore. Mm-hmm. Like what mm-hmm. and they just like they just like show them her Brian and Stannis talking and then they're like fade away. <laughs> like, like what? <laughs> they really did do that like unceremoniously. Yeah. Oh Stannis. Oh, R.I.P. Stannis then maybe. Yes. Stannis was a beast, Loki. Yeah, Stannis is with Tupac on in, in, in the Bermuda Triangle. With uh, Elvis and Tupac. <laughs> Elvis, Tupac. Um, Stannis Baratheon. <laughs> yeah. And Epstein, too. Oh. oh that, I'll edit that in post. Epstein, if you're out there, I'm coming for you. <laughs> exactly. No you're one. next. You're next. <laughs> no. Somehow this file's not going to make it to Spotify. Why does it jump from episode 7 to 9? <laughs> We're not allowed to talk. Exactly. <laughs> Gag order on episode eight. Um, Wait, what with the, uh, what? Like, or the tweets where it's just like, have you seen the, the baby peanut tweet where it's just like, I have information leading to the arrest of Hillary Clinton? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, there's like these like fake tweets that they would show by like people that like recently died. Yeah. It's like one of those like baby, or it's like Mr. Peanut. <laughs> like, I have information leading oh, to the arrest of And then he dies. And then he dies. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Um, don't, oh, we can't talk about Brianna Stark too long because then we start talking about her in season eight, and I get really riled up because her conclusion with Jamie is obviously probably one of the, not obviously, but it's one of the things I got maddest about in season eight. It's, Comment. I mean, okay, it's, it's, like, it's like definitely. I mean, it's just it's fuel, you guys cannot agree with me. Like no, I, I agree, it's fuel of the flames of like why people trash on season eight because it's just like. What was this whole storyline with her and Jamie if you literally just don't do anything with it? And Jamie just ends up going back to what he's always done. And you make her seem kind of wimpy. Like yeah, you make you her do. you, you take little her character. Which is like I've heard the argument is that like she's never been intimate, so it makes sense that she might get seem a little she might reveal more, she might be in like uncharted vulnerable pit territory. Yeah. But like fuck that. She was awesome throughout the whole series. Like make give, give her an awesome send off, damn it. Yeah, I think they really kind of screwed the pooch with with Jamie going back. I, I, I don't know why they did that. I feel like it, it's almost like you could say it was easier to kind of like wrap his his storyline up. But I feel like they could have done a great ending with him being, you know, on the good guy's side too. Well, like I think what really I and what really pissed me off too was the end of season six when you have Cersei take the throne. And then you have Jamie see her and leave. Like that's sort of like, oh, this is like the final straw. Like this is like it's supposed this, to be the final yeah, straw. You assume that's the final straw. You assume that this like by Jamie walking away, that means that he is, you know, he's done with her. Like he is he is full he, he's going to the good guys now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's season seven. 
But oh, yeah, season seven. I, another thing, I thought he was going to. I for a second, I thought he was going to die when the mountain steps in front of him. Do you know what I'm talking about? When he when he tries leaving, oh yeah, yeah. and Cersei's like, no one walks away from. Me. Oh yeah, 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 and yeah. then the mountain steps in front. I was like, is he about to get his head smashed? They should have done that with how they ended up doing Jamie's character. They should have had him just die there for shock value. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Given what he brought to the table, what did he exactly. bring? Some yeah. cool yeah. like fight scenes and like at the wall. Like yeah, he definitely he definitely could have been given a better like more like better death, you know, so that the fans would be a little happier. But that sort of just reminded me of the scene in, in season six where. The guy's, like, talking about how, like, he's going to, like, or, like, when he saw Cersei, like, do, like, the procession or, like, do the shame walk. Like, I was just like, like, I'm going to bang her. Like, and then you have him go take a piss and then the mountain comes in and just smashes his head on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, oh, shit. Like, she, like, she, like what's his name? Creepy guy wasn't lying. He's like, he's not going to talk till everybody who did you wrong is going to die. Like, wow. They're serious. <laughs> yeah. A lot of follow through there. Uh, talking about the mountain, we do have an interesting kind of episode in season six that highlights the hound. So you, you start out with him in like the like, the colony. In the commune. You know? Exactly. He's essentially he's essentially in the cult. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's team sickle and hammer, you know. I mean, exactly. They, I mean, in, in that episode. Exactly. But, we we do it for the motherland, um, yeah. But that but then but then he goes out. I don't know to get firewood or something like that. Comes back. Everyone's murdered. And decides like it's so funny how he's like I'm gonna go on a Rambo rampage right now and kill those people. Finds the Lord of the Light guys again. Is like oh I'm sorry we're about to kill them anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, that is that is kind of a good good little scene. Do, does he reunite with Arya in season six or is that not till season seven? That's. I don't think that's still season seven because Arya doesn't come back. To oh yeah, because Arya doesn't get to. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. A, I think it's. I think season six definitely isn't obviously because he doesn't come in until episode seven. I don't think it's very important for the Hound and his like character and what his arc is necessarily. However, I do think showing he's definitely changed a little bit with that 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 small scene with the commune at least gives yeah. you kind of like hints that uh, he's a good guy. I mean. <laughs> It's weird with the Hound throughout the entire show because you assume that the plot with him is that he turns into a good guy, but he like kind of does, but never fully like turns good. It's he's he's always just a guy that's just looking out for himself in the end. Yeah, I think. I mean, but the one. I mean, it all. It was pretty obvious that his plot line was gonna you know cultivate with, with the mountain with a fight with the mountain. Yeah, and so and even though the mountain was team bad guy all the way, like. He never really goes on team good guy. I would kind of disagree with that because if you think about, remember, he, like Arya is coming with him in that episode and he's like, don't do this. He's like, I'm kind of like a screwed up guy. Oh, yeah. Like, you have your whole life. Like, don't let this, like, this is a grudge between me and my brother. Like, don't get dragged into this. Like, this is, this is my time, like, You're to right. go. Yeah, you're definitely right. That uh, I, I know what you mean. Where they're, where they're, you know, all the walls are crumbling down, like around them, and he's like, "You, you idiot! Like, just let me do this or whatever." So yeah, yeah, I think he does. I you're without right, yeah. changing his like kind of um, misanthrope. I think that's the word misanthrope <laughs> kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. He does kind of have like get a little sense of humanity and kind of see the bigger picture in the end. Yeah, and. 
I, I think you're right there. Uh, like you said, you're never going to look at him, John, 100% as a good guy just because yeah. of his nature, but he definitely does have that redeeming turn in the end. And I think this episode in season six uh, at least sets a little bit of the stage for it in showing how he cares for people and how, like, even though he's, oh, I'm just this crusty, this crusty mean guy. Yeah. He, mean guy. I'm a tough, yeah. mean yeah. guy, and I'm ugly. Uh, but then he, <laughs> sorry, sorry, hound. <laughs> Uh, no, but then he just like this ugly bastard. <laughs> oh, look at me, just a big ug ug dum dum. <laughs> I could do this for hours. <laughs> um, but he does eventually. He shows he has feelings. He shows he wants to kind of avenge the people in the commune, and I think that kind of at least plants the seeds. Like you know, oh, he's a good guy. He's going to do right by Arya, or he's going to do right by the people that he comes in contact with <clears throat> in the long run. I mean, I think yeah, he's definitely more of a good guy. I mean, towards the end, I just think. All in all, outside, I mean, I think he has a personal relationship with Arya that, like, he sort of grows to, like, care about her. Yeah. So it's different than being on the good team. That's that's what I would argue. I'd argue that in the end, he's like, oh, he wants to protect Arya, but he also just wants to kill his brother. Yeah. And yeah. his undead brother. Which it feels like, it doesn't feel like that's something, it's one of those kind of, like, fates where it's not something he wants to do, but knows that he's in a collision course that's, like, yeah. something I have to do. Yeah. That's a great thing about a lot of the characters on the show, like, is that they have their redeeming qualities, but ultimately pretty much everybody has a lot of flaws. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, yeah. And there, and that's kind of like, if they, if, if these characters, if every character that was kind of in a big position, that was a good guy, so to speak, didn't have flaws. A lot of those parts, especially the tension in season seven and season eight, you know, even though we shit on it, that tension wouldn't be there, especially between, you know, Danny and John, like if they were both flawless people who were just like ultimate kind of, I don't know, perfect utilitarian good guys, that tension wouldn't have crept up. They would have just been like, oh, we just want the kingdoms to be at peace. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it. Yeah, I don't want <clears throat> She is my queen. Okay. Yeah, oh, my queen. I don't want it. But then you have to bend the knee. The North does not bend the knee, yeah. John. We need something here. You are my queen. <laughs> my queen. Are you going to the Schwarzenegger there, John? <laughs> ah, you are my queen. And I am your, you are my queen, Anita. <laughs> Charles Poole. Charles Poole, exactly. Is it out? Oh, is it out? You, you Indubitably. <laughs> no, you're not uh, Brian Gumble. Like, I'm solo that O'Brien. It's just, oh, I'm on the wrong show. Uh, uh, anyone else you want to talk about before we wrap up in the final scenes? Um, I think you got to mention Littlefinger a little bit. Littlefinger, yeah. Oh, jeez. I was going to say, that's what they want me to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he sort of, so he's not really in the first couple episodes. He comes back in episode four. And like his or his thing is that like he just like runs the bail now. Like he's he's seduced. Did you hear about like, the Knights of the Bail? I have the Knights of the Bail. Oh, did you like, hear about them? Oh, Santa, by the way. Oh, by the <laughs> way. Like, like, engage you didn't know. <laughs> like, and then he comes, he saves the day. Little finger beats his fate later on, obviously. But I mean, um, he pl- he kind of pl- he kind of plays a key role though in like the whole connecting the bail back to the uh yeah, his bastard nature is kind of a little. I'm bastard in like the not the I have no father, but bastard is in like I'm an asshole. His like bastard character kind of takes a bit of a backseat, uh, especially because of obviously what happens at the end of Battle of the Bastards. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's well, it's like it's he's he's always played the game. 
And so like he is, so it's like as as audience You know he's like, reliably unreliable. Yeah, exactly. So as audience members the entire time they're like something's in it for him. Exactly. Yeah, he's the he's like the master puppeteer of like a lot of the show, if you think about it. He yeah. kind of sets in motion like a ton of the huge plot lines without you even realizing it. Yeah. Like I mean, uh the Starks and Lannisters fighting, like that was all him orchestrating it to begin with. Yeah, exactly. I mean without he I mean from yeah, I agree. Like season one on, like he's he pretty much sets everything all in motion. Like he's uh-huh. the he is the guy that gets the ball rolling. Like you said, like he's the one that like for, pretty much forsakens you know Ned Stark, you know. And yeah. and he is one of the characters that his storyline and ultimate fate and like everything surrounding him, I feel like was phenomenally dealt with in season seven. The turn where you think that Sansa and Arya are about to be each other's throats, but they immediately turn it on Littlefinger. They had me hook, line, and sinker there. I was like, oh no, you fucking idiots. You're going to let Littlefinger turn you... Like, I was literally about to, like, yell at the TV and then they obviously went back and they're like, oh wait, psych, we're going to kill Littlefinger. Psych, that's the (laughs) wrong wrong number! (laughs) (laughs) You're dead. Yeah, Uh, it's it's definitely, it's one of the most satisfying death threats Very. Because it's like, it takes until season seven to like that. I think it's season seven. Yeah, it's season seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It takes until season seven for somebody to catch up to Littlefinger. Yeah. He's a he's a freaking player. <laughs> he really is. But again, like we've established, don't hate the player. Hate the game. Yeah. <laughs> and the game is Thrones. The game, it's the game of Thrones. <laughs> and you can die. That would be a great. That would be a great ending line. There. <laughs> the theme song starts playing. We we fade out. <laughs> Don't hate the players. Hate the games, and it's a game of thrones. <laughs> because that's the that's the title. Did you guys get it? Did you get Did you get it? Did you hear that? It's like the I think it's a, a Family Guy cutaway scene where Peter's talking about how he always loves uh, when they say the title of a movie in the movie. It's just like, oh, I guess the it's complicated. They said it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, little thing. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up that we touched on. We I kind of like skirted talking about. I mean, obviously we shat on Dorn enough. Uh, I talked about Greyjoy. Uh, help me remember his name. Who's Theon's uncle again? Euron. 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 Euron being brought to the fold. Obviously, Euron takes the. I feel like he at some points takes the place of Ramsay in season seven as being such a great fucking heel, being a great bad guy. Yeah. Like uh-huh. he, he's just so slimy. Like the. Oh, he, he's just dirty. <laughs> he is. He is like the definition of grimy. <laughs> Absolute grime. He's living in the grime. and possibly one of the best. Quotes in season seven, season eight to Jamie. How does she like it? A finger in the bum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love the thing that's like it's not actually, but he looks like Bam from uh, from Jackass. Like people, like I for like a good moment, I thought it was Bam from Jackass. Like, uh, 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 Jackass might have to be episode two twenty on the podcast because I have not watched enough Jackass. <laughs> Here, I'll show you a picture of Bam from Jackass. But, like, I, I thought that this was, like, Bam, like, Marjorie out for it's, Come on. It's not like, Wi-Fi. Yeah, but I'll try to show you. But, I mean, I think we covered most of the characters. Yeah, I think though. we did. I, we, as well as we can do. I, got, I mean, there's obviously you have some minor characters. I guess we didn't really talk about Mira either, who's uh, yeah. Bran's... Still, that's okay. I'll, I'll look. We'll, we'll yeah. look at it in post. But uh, I mean, who's Brand's like sort of little helper? But yeah. I mean, like, oh, okay, yeah. But 
I mean, I, I'm sure for whatever, if we do the favorite scene or whatever, I'm sort of saving a little unknown character for a uh, little thing like that. All right, Tom, you're, you're ready to get the show on the road? Yeah, sure. What, what, what are we... <laughs> I, first off, love that attitude. It's just like, yeah, let's get it going. What are we doing? It's like, you just remember the old Bud Light commercials? I'm down for whatever. And then, whatever. then everything explodes. You know? exactly. Take no out of your vocabulary. Like they ask him, like, what is your, are you, are you up for it? He's like, I'm down for whatever. And then the Bud Light shows up. You know? The Bud Light, exactly. <laughs> the Bud, you know, the Everything. God of Bud Light shows us up. And then we're like, let's, let's boogie. Uh, we're doing favorite scenes. So we're going to do favorite. We, you thinking, usually we would do, I guess, for television shows, we'd do favorite episode. But considering these episodes are so long and mainly we would pick one of two episodes, I figure we should do favorite scenes or favorite moments I, from what? I, yeah, you could do, I, I think. We should give a little loose. If you can do favorite moment, favorite scene, favorite episode, favorite plot line, even like really with this. Yeah, like, I'm gonna go with the favorite scene, but you can kind of run with it how you will. Tom, what's your favorite takeaway, lasting image, scene, moment, season six? Okay, I have. Mm, let me go with. I'm gonna go with two here. Gotcha. They're both Jon Snow related. Awesome. Um, number one, when in Battle of the Bastards. Mm-hmm. He, he just charges in and then gets shot off his horse uh-huh. and then he stands up yeah. and like shows him from the back and he slowly yeah. like pulls his sword out and he got the music going and like it's slow-mo and it's like, and he kind of looks up and he's like, what the fuck has my life been? <laughs> like, this is probably it and it could end there and he's just like, I'm ready to die with my boys in the north. Like, yeah. this is what it's about. I'm like, dude, this guy's awesome. And then like, Obviously, the whole amazing battle ensues after that. Yeah. I thought that was like a really, really great setup to to that. And then when you find out that John is a Targaryen, you find out the parents mm-hmm. his his lineage through mm-hmm. the flashback. Yeah, and how it cuts to um, how it cuts from like him as a baby to him sitting at the like in the Great Hall Winterfell. And, like, again, just, I love the music. It builds up, and then it hits them, and it's, like, the main, like, and it's, like, the loudest it's ever played. Like, I get chills, like, every time I watch that. I think that's so cool. I, th- I think you pointed out, like, oh, this, the, the battle scene where John, like, where you just see a, the shot. The shot, and then you have, like, the forces collide, you know, when you have the original, like when the, when the two walls forces meet each other, it's phenomenal. It's just like, it goes from like slow-mo to just like rushed and everything's and John's just standing there and it's, ah, that's, that's, it's it's a really great cinematography. It does like, I think Tom, you picked out the perfect thing. That image of John off his horse, unshielding his sword while everyone, like from his back, while all the other forces of Ramsey are coming at him. Iconic shot. That's going to be played for years and years uh and and then also just like the the entire shooting of that scene the absolute like we talked about it the sea of humanity kind of how it does a great job of everyone kind of going into this episode is like all right battle of the bastards it's gonna be sick let's go and then it shows the humanity and the awful aspect of battle of like how brutal those sort of medieval type battles were and you're like it really is breathtaking and I, I, that's perfect. Also, obviously, the, the second scene you said, the great reveal, the, the use of the music. Because there isn't much, like, I don't think, in the flashback, can you hear the Targaryens talking much? I don't think, the, I think the dialogue is pretty sparse, right? Um, 
the Tar. There, yeah. there aren't Targaryens. Yeah, there's no Targaryens. It, it's, Ned his, it's Ned and his sister. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah, it's just him. And and he's like sister. giving the baby, and like I think all of the. I kind of remember being like, "Oh my god, wait!" Because like I was, I was ignorant to all of the the theories about it beforehand. Oh, that's so awesome. I had no idea that that was coming, which like was so awesome. Oh, that's, um, that's so awesome. And like it, it just made it really, really cool. Um, yeah. Oh, great, great choices. Great, great kind of gripping choices. Um, I will go. I'll go next, John. Yeah, I, to, I, to steal I, your thunder. I, 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 I have confidence in my ending. Ability. Hell's Bells plays Mariana Rivera comes out, close us <laughs> out. Um, my favorite scene is, I think like, I'm talking about just strictly from, I remember watching the scene vividly the first time. And I think it was one of my favorite, like more so than any other scene. It was my two fists up in the air. Let's fucking go. It has to be uh, when Arya kills Walder Frey. My name is Arya Stark. I want you to know that. The last thing you're ever going to see is a Stark smiling down at you as you die. She's just like, she goes up to him. I think she says, the last thing you will see is a Stark watching you die or whatever, something like that. And doesn't she, she feeds his sons to him. Yeah. Like she just, the perfect diabolical aspects. Like you, we've, we've been gone on. We talked about this, this journey with Arya finding herself and she, you know, she's, it starts in episode one. She's not a princess. She wants to wield a sword, not a tiara. She like, and then she goes through all these trials and tribulations, being on her own, dodging death to finally getting to that point where she has enough power to pull this off. And it's beautiful. It's in the middle when Walder Frey's in the middle of a feast when he's like, yeah, we're so badass." And then the best part when yeah. at the end he, she spares some of the women there and she says, go tell, I forget. She's like, go tell them that winter has come. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my God. Winter's here. Winter is here. <laughs> and it's like this, it's like, yes, they finally it's happening. It's happening. You got it. It's, it's Mike Michael Scott. It's like, happening. Oh my god. god. <laughs> guys, everyone stay calm. <laughs> um and that yeah, just that payoff there. It's it they it, winter has come, she's there. And that happened at the beginning of the episode, and that was just what a way to kick I think that happened at the beginning of episode ten. Yeah. And it's just what a way to kick it off. That that I, I remember I even remember watching that with dad and dad who would watch Thrones with us and this kind of like she, he he knows less about the series than I do. He would kind of be basically just like, oh, dragons, dragon lady, you know, she, <laughs> like kind of like following the basic plot points. Everything is in comparison to Lord of the Rings. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so this guy's like the Frodo kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, dad. <laughs> but like that, he was going nuts at it too. And I was yeah. like, yes, let's go. So that, that that's my choice. 
Yeah, that's that's an, love that. That's a, that's an iconic scene. That is a pretty like it's just like oh she's back she's she's here she's in the mainland. Now. Return <laughs> of the Mac it's once like, again. It's like it's like when a wrestler leaves the ring and comes back in. It's like oh no, <laughs> like oh wow. But I mean, so I I got two things. First, I think probably underrated story plot uh, storyline of this season. I think is the brand one. Okay. I really I think. They could have done more with it, but I really do. Obviously, the the, the great whole, seeing him touching the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, I just think for the flashbacks that he shows, like they're, they're kind of like they're kind of abstract and kind of like, oh, this is interesting. Like, what's going on here? You have the Hodor scene in that plotline, which is like one of the most gut wrenching scenes in like the entire show, and then as well as you have the return of Benjen, Benjen. Like his uncle, Uncle uh, Benjamin. Yeah. I love Uncle Benjamin just because he's just like, oh, he's just here again. Like, <laughs> like oh, that that's out of welcome back. Right? Yeah, like, cool to see you again. And then, so I really, I really enjoyed that plot line. And then the scene, I really, I think I'll close it out is the final scene of Battle of the Bastards where you have Sansa and Ramsay, and Sansa just feeds yes. into the hounds. Yes. And it's just like, wow, this is gold. Like, because it's like. It's a pretty brutal death, but it's Ramsey, so you're like, let's go. Exactly. <laughs> like, let's, yeah. let's ride. That's another really great one, how she doesn't she, – she's about to turn away, mm-hmm. and then she, like, comes back a little bit. She's like, no, I want to watch this. Yeah, oh, it's, like, it's, it's badass. It really shows you also, like, how Sansa has turned into, like, a certified badass, too. Yeah, exactly. And it's like she is, like – well, I think it's the real turn of she's like emotionless. She is just like stone faced, like just like she's like Ramsey. You're gonna die. You're gonna die painfully, and I'm gonna watch. Like, like you, like this is like because this would be the worst thing for you, you know. Catapults her very well into season seven. Yeah, um, which <laughs> one of my favorite parts of season seven is they're trying to build this like Sansa being a great leader, and you know they do a great job with the character. But it's like one scene where she's walking through Winterfell and she's like talking to Captain, and it's like, oh no, we need like three more barrels there we need like oh uh more grain bring it over here and everyone's like oh my god sons is the best leader ever <laughs> she just like she's just like one throwaway scene where she's just like oh uh, reinforce the armaments here and uh, bring more grain over to the storages <laughs> i I'm just okay i think i mean this is a, i mean it's a really good scene i i have to point it out because this is a character we forgot and while she doesn't play a huge role Pretty impactful role, Liana Mormont. We did. Yeah. I don't think we talked about her, did we? I we talked about her before we went on the air. Yeah, <laughs> off, off air. I, I was making sure to see if we did it off or on air. But I mean, love the Mormont family in general from Jorah because I don't think we talked about Jorah either. Really, yeah, but, grayscale. I, mean, I, I simped his ass, but I mean, just like, simped his ass. I learned what a simp was. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Liana Mormont probably is one of the most memorable scenes in the season yeah. before the battle, where she's got her little army, but it's like, oh wow, like this girl, she's sick, like she's dope. You know, so I had to give her a quick little shout out before we end. Yeah, she got some good FaceTime, and you know, it, I, I totally agree. But one of the scarier things was, do you remember zombie Liana in the in, in, episode, in season eight? Uh-huh. Where she dies, she dies. I think at the at the battle oh, for really? the yeah, the battle of Winterfell, and she, and she, and she comes back as a, as a, as a that's like, that's zombie. Sick, actually. Yeah. it's actually they're doing a series about it. <laughs> Liana as a zombie. Exactly. She used to be a little queen. Now she's a zombie. It's Liana Mormont. Does she wait? Huh? Yeah. Uh, Research department. Well, like I okay, so I went to um, I clicked on Liana Mormont, and then they. Uh, it just brought me to Liana Stark, and I'm like, oh. not 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 where you want to be. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, good to know, but like I don't need that. 
Good scene, Travis is John. I do like talking about the the scene of her killing Ramsey, propelling her to season seven, like really showing her as a legitimate, you know, Queen Stark. Uh, also, uh, oh my God, what Sansa? What's the actress who plays Sansa's name? Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner. Also, like great, great. I mean, her stock is no, it's never higher. Wasn't she like drunk in an NBA game or whatever after the yeah, season? Yeah, she's, she's chilling. She's chilling. She's chilling with Joe Jonas. <laughs> with Joe Jonas, exactly. Uh, so that did a great job propelling her as an actress, but then obviously her character. I think it's interesting how you could say she learned a little bit from Littlefinger. Like you can see some of the lessons she learned with Littlefinger come through in these past couple of seasons, which honestly just makes it more badass that she's like, yeah, I took stuff from you. I took so much from you that I understand now I have to kill you. (laughs) Now I have to kill you. Now I have to kill you. (laughs) You know too much. (laughs) You know too much. Uh, Guys, uh, thanks so much. I think we did a good job of staying uh, cohesive, even though, like you said, there's so much we we could have gone over. So kind of, you know, many things we could have touched on. We obviously touched on a lot of season five, a lot of season seven and eight, naturally, because those are the bordering seasons. But did a great job of going over what makes, I think, this season so special. And, you know, we said from the beginning, we talked about it, but it's like the storylines feel like they have great conclusions. Tom talking about how it's the real the true follow through of the George R. R. Martin storylines with his kind of with his, I guess, expertise in his arm, helping the showrunners uh, really provide meaningful conclusions, even though, like we said, the show didn't actually conclude after season six. We had a couple more seasons to get let down. Um, and obviously we have I, I, I heard the news of Wendy Hoff and uh, Benny Hoff and Weiss showing up in Westworld season three, in which yeah. everyone was like, fuck these guys. <laughs> no, not the, no, no. <laughs> or also, I, I can't remember when it started, but do you remember when it started where they would do the interviews with them after the episodes? Was that started after season seven? Wait, which one? Where like they would I... interview Weiss and Benny Hoff after the after the episodes. <laughs> and they would just they would just say like stupid they would say stupid shit just like this is where we really wanted to show Arya as a strong character it's just like yeah she killed the fucking night king get it <laughs> dude yeah those got really really stupid especially in season eight yeah oh <laughs> wait really her like, you mean the girl that ends it <laughs> anyways again before I go on more season eight rampages thanks so much guys this is we did a great job going through it talking about what makes season six so great and obviously. You know, it show it. Season six was a great culmination, but at, at the end of the day, it speaks to the great job of George R. R. Martin writing the scripts. You know, writing the books, uh, and the great job they did in the past five seasons of setting up a lot. So many characters, so many, so characters. many, so many characters. Only ten of them appear in every season. Oh, really? Yeah. Just in the map. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. You know who's one of them? Who? Bron. Bron. Classic. Bron. Just solid. Solid. That's their own one. He's the creative Game of Thrones. (laughs) He really is. He is. Um, Yeah. Anyways, very fulfilling. Glad I I hadn't watched Thrones. I don't think I'd watched Thrones seriously since it had come off the air. So I'm glad that I got a chance to kind of go rewatch, revisit some stuff. I think I'm due for rewatch some more episodes and kind of getting back in the the swing of things, especially where I'm spottier in seasons like two through four, uh, two through five. So, uh, Tom, thanks so much for joining us all the way from uh, Wildwood. Uh, I hope this was at least a a little bit of a bright spot in your in your uh, quarantine month. Oh yeah, thanks for having me guys. This is an amazing way for me to uh, 
vet my my dorkiness <laughs> <laughs> about Game of Thrones. I know too much about this show. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, glad glad to give you an outlet. That that is truly what it is for John and me. Except instead of a tiny outlet for our dorkiness, we it's do it like twice a week. Massive outlet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's massive. Yeah, I can't. Oh we, it, stay stay tuned for when our Avatar: The Last Airbender yeah. episode drops. I don't think I've gone a single episode without mentioning Star Wars at some point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. John, uh, I like I said, I can't avoid you because we're in the same house, but uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, you know where to find me. Uh, like we did it in the 90s. For uh, Tom and John, this is Will signing off. Are you reeling in the years? Stowing away the time? Are you gathering up the tears? Have you had enough of mine? Are you reeling in the year?